Hi, hi everybody. It is Walden Hughes time. And we're going to play the Kill Strip monthly feature and also the Radio Association of Colorado, the monthly feature, and then we'll call Patricia a little later. Around the 12.30 Eastern time, give or take. And what is this? Uh, yeah. So, Saturday, June the 18th, year 2011. But first, let's say a prayer. Lord, look after all our good friends out there. Look after my buddy Brian Haygood. Who had a surgery last night? Have him have a speedy recovery. Bless all the listeners, supporters of the station. Help those who are going through financial difficulties. Bless those who love you very much. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here's Dwayne. So. I want to ride on the 310 to you. Hi friends, once again this is Frankie Lane. I want you to know that you're listening to Dr. Dwayne Kielstrup, good friend of mine, on Yesterday USA. that to kind of cut their teeth on network radio through Chicago. Now this is Fred Hobbs, your online host, saying goodbye and good radio. This is RHAC. The Radio Historical Association of Colorado. Okay, hope you enjoyed that. I think it's going to be time to call Patricia. See how she's doing. And we'll get on the air. So we'll be on the air with you real soon. Here's a little bit of Buddy Clark. Thank you. 
o'clock. Oh. 
and there we are, the one and only Buddy Clark, and here she is, the one, the only, the talented, my buddy, Patricia. And my buddy, Walden. Hello there. I'm going to depend on people to call in and let us know if I sound like I'm crackling over the air, because if yes, I'm going to have to switch phones, because my router is apparently sending out more signals than it's entitled to, and I'm receiving more than I should. Ergo... If not, we are just going to be happy to have Patricia. Anyway, we can have her. No, well, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll go in the other room and I'll, I'll try to be content. <laughs> <laughs> and bring my little computer with me. Yeah. So anyway, hi, and happy Father's Day to all of our family on the East Coast. Yes, true. We are 11 minutes from Central Happy Father's Day, and we're just going to work our way around the country and around the world. That is true. Happy Father's Day to all you who got little kids running around, or big kids, or any kid that you might have. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> and you know what? Even if you don't have them, most men, or a really significant number of men, have been examples or mentors or done something that influenced a child's life. And I think that's a happy Father's Day, too. Well, I think those of us who don't have children, um, you know, I think somehow in your life you come across people who sort of adopted you and actually put you in the family. Mm -hmm. So in a way, you do have kids. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. You, it didn't have to be formal. You didn't have to live there. You didn't have to stay there forever. But no. for adults who really... I've, there was my girlfriend's mother. I, you know, somebody always has a really good friend, and this was my best friend, whose name incidentally was also Patricia. So I guess Patricias are pretty good people. Good people. But I called her mother my other mother, and used to find a Mother's Day card for her every year that said Happy Mother's Day to my other mother, and I thought it was just so sweet that card companies actually thought about. In, in the drug industry, this would be called an orphan drug, <laughs> a very tiny slice of the market, and they thought about us and made special arrangements and recognized that special circumstances need special cards, and they did. Mm -hmm. That was pretty neat. That's a good way, because there's a lot of people who just happen to adopt somebody very special in their life who yeah. wound up being a very special friend who, you know, it, it become family. And that's just the way it is. Become family. Mm -hmm. You are so right. So, I probably should have come up with a Father's Day question for today, and I would love to hear Father's Day stories, but my theme isn't Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I should have put a little bit more thought into that. Well, we're only, well, you know what, though? What? We're two days from the first day of summer. Oh, and do you know what that means? Hot weather, hurricane weather for Patricia. Keep going. Um, only uh, 10, more, 10 more shopping days. That's right. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> We're having Christmas in July. Yeah, yeah. A little think. bit of work and, and squirreling around for goodies for Let's our see. family. Let's see. And I got some fun stuff, so I, I think we're going to have a good time. I know we're going to have a good yeah. time. Yeah. Walden right. and I, just as a reminder, Walden and I have a day off next week. 
because he's going to be running his tail off at reps. Yep. The radio enthusiasts of Puget Sound, they have a showcase every year, an old-time radio showcase, and it is just one huge bang-up deal over two days. You have one full day and a half a day the next day, is that correct? Uh, this year we're going to do two full days and go into a third. Oh my goodness, you really cranked it up. Uh-huh. Okay, this is in, uh, obviously, Puget Sound. You have a clue where this is. It's in Seattle. And I guess your uh, convention, I'll call it the convention mm-hmm. showcase, uh, is an ind- it indicates your specific event. But it's, it's a convention. We've got old-time radio stars coming in, names that you recognize from the entertainment industry. From Dick Van Patten. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. The website for those people is repsshowcase.com, R-E-P-S-S-H-O-W-C-A-S-E.com. Over there, you'll see pictures. You'll see a schedule to be announced with those working on this thing. You'll see YouTube of past conventions. Uh, Brian's been putting up podcasts of different things up there, so if you haven't gone over there in a, in a few weeks, you'll see new things that we've done in the past up for your enjoyment. How cool is that? Yeah. Now, this is the one area in the whole wide world country, not only do you do a bang-up job, I mean, this day moves like a train through a station and doesn't bother to stop. That's true. <laughs> you, you start, you open the doors in the morning, say, come on in, passengers, and that's the last they see at the floor. Yeah, come on to my house, yeah. Just keep moving. And we're going to be broadcasting this live all three days, and and it will be better sound than you ever heard before, because our, our buddy Finster, Paul Masurek, it's going to try something totally different. We're going to be streaming off a laptop and skip. We're going to bypass all the cell phone technology, everything that compressed the sound. And we're going to go with the best possible sound possible. And we should make it a lot of fun. It should make it a lot of fun because you'll pick up a lot of the background performances. Not everybody can be standing in front of a mic. And I know in previous years, there have been... an. It, Occasional, there have been occasional frustrations because you knew someone was speaking, right? And you you knew the storyline, you knew what was happening, and you missed a couple of words in the back, and it's right. like you're you're going to avoid all of that. Yep, that's great. It's gonna be fun. What are the hours? We're gonna start um, Friday Eastern time from noon to pa- till midnight, so twelve straight hours. Um, I'm going to go have lunch. I don't know what Paul's going to do, but at least I'm going to go have lunch. But. Somebody's going to bring in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> for the two of you, and you'll have to share it. And then on Saturday, we're going to start at 1 o'clock Eastern. Bill has a, um, we're going to not interrupt Max Me program, so we're going to start one hour late. So we'll miss the X-1 live recreation and go from uh, 1 o'clock Eastern until midnight. And then you'll enjoy this. Then at 2 o'clock Eastern, from 2 to 3, we're going to celebrate Shirley Mitchell's career. And we are putting together videos, putting together audio radio clips. And we got, we have gone out and spent the big bucks on a nice looking award. Patricia's helping out on this project and others. And it should be. Uh, you get a chance to hear one of the uh, one of the people who is still with us from the Golden Days of Radio, whose characters are still remembered today. 
the, yeah. the high-profile characters, like Throckmorton. Yes. Anyone who loves the great Gildersleeve and remembers Leela <laughs> knows who Shirley is. That's right. And the, the list of credits just bowled me over. Um, and we've only got a representative of sorts right. here. And I, I did pare it down a little bit because some of them were double-listed. Uh-huh. And I'm down to, I, I would say, about 400 credits. And I'm doing, this is two days so far, two full days. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's amazing about, it's amazing about it is the stint, it covers almost 20 years. It does. Yeah, this is interesting. Let me, let me do just a representative assortment here because I've got it broken out. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. We've got Tibber McGee and Molly. You will remember Shirley mostly for her role as Alice Darling. Who at the border. She was the roommate she during the war time. She rented a room mm -hmm. during the war, mm -hmm. and she was a war plant worker. Mm -hmm. Then we have the Great Gildersleeve, which was forever. I mean, I don't know how many. Let me, I, I can count in, in just a little bit um, how many episodes. I have found, and what you and I have found, it, yeah. especially at, at one location, yeah. where um, she has, let me see this, because I can count paragraph breaks. So we've got the great Gildersleeve, and she was Leela, Leela, the southern belle who just oozed. She did not say words, she oozed words. It was so much fun to listen to her, and it's, it is so much fun. Mm -hmm. If you don't have any experience listening to the great Gildersleeve, you have missed a lot. Mm -hmm. So anyone who wants some great Gildersleeve shows, you let me know, and I will get them to you. We have trivia every Saturday mm -hmm. and many opportunities for you to call in. This is, this, I'm still running down the line here. Um, many opportunities to call in, pick your shows, and I have many oodles of the great Gildersleeve. So if you would like some, I would be happy to accommodate. They're over there. Indeedy. Yeah. Now what did I do here? <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. I didn't do a good thing here. Um, so anyway, you keep talking. Well, yeah. if you look at this, and we're not serious, really. I know her career started in the 30s when she did the Lone Ranger show one time. I know she had a career in Chicago radio. Her first network show when she went to Chicago was the first nighter. And we're looking at this list that from about 1942 up to about almost 1960. Mm -hmm. And and we know this is not a, a the complete list. It can't be. Because we know she did a lot more. She was one of those radio actresses who were under four separate contracts a week doing major roles on different shows. And I know, I don't see some of them listed here, probably because we don't have available recordings. But you're looking here, I didn't have no idea how many have done well travel she did. It's amazing. The list that I've got, I broke it out, and yeah. now I'm arranging them in order and taking out all of the junk, I'll say junk, mm -hmm. for this, this um, purpose, you know, the editorial comments about right. the show and the catalog numbers and the others and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's coming down to manageable and readable. We've got Fibber McGee and Molly. At least a couple of hundred shows, I think. Oh, yeah. The Great Gildersleeve. Uh, the Danny Kay Show. Yep. Paul Whiteman Presents. The Bob Burns Show. The Rudy Valley Seal Test Show. Boston Blackie. 
two on a clue. I don't know that show. You're going to have to tell us. I don't it. know anything about it either. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, maybe I need to look it up. Uh-huh. Some of us know. The Seal Test Village Store. Right. I don't know that show. Uh, Bird's Eye Open House. Kay Kaiser's College of Musical Knowledge. Dr. Christian. The Raleigh Cigarette Program starring Red Skelton. Amos and Andy. Several Amos and Andy. Uh, the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show. Lights Out. The Life Boy Show. Command Performance. Bob Crosby Show. Cavalcade of America. Joan Davis Show. Let George Do It. She had quite a few uh, shows, probably um, six or eight shows in Let George Do It. Lux Radio Theater. CBS Radio Workshop. Best of Jack Benny. Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The Six Shooter. The Jack Benny Program. Are you running out of breath yet? <laughs> uh, Jack Benny Program. I just, my goodness. Oh, down and down and down and down and down and down and down. Hold on. The Hair Raising Matter commercials. Wealthy Man is still... Oh, Bob Bailey. Oh, no, this is, um... Johnny Dollar, they on Bob Bailey and... Dollar, yes. I mean, I'm. isn't it just incredible? Yeah. Lux Theater and CBS Radio Workshop, The Best of Benny, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, The Sixth Shooter, The Jack Benny Program, and all of these are, um, Johnny Dollar. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm still not finished. Fort Laramie. Yep. Fabulous Dr. Tweedy, which was also known as the Frank Morgan Show. The Life of Riley. She played a Southern Belle on The Life of Riley. If you haven't heard that, it's a treat and a half. Mm. And she had Riley just pity patting after her. And um, when she got on the bus to leave, it was a great show. <laughs> Poor Riley. Suspense. She was on Suspense. The Harold, Harold Carey Show. That uh, was the great Gildersleeve who switched over to his own show. Have Gun Will Travel. Many, many. And My Little Margie. Mm -hmm. The Adventures of Sam Spade. Sears Radio Theater. Romance. We need to talk about that one one night. She had one. She did one of the Bickerson's shows. Screen Directors Playhouse, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, Stars Over Hollywood, To the Rear March, The Railroad Hour, The Adventures of the Saint, Nightbeat, The Bill Goodwin Show, McGarry and His Mouth. I have never heard of that show. Do you know that one? I've seen the title. I haven't heard one. I'll have to go digging around for mm -hmm. that, too. Mm -hmm. The Reader's Digest. Uh, the Radio Reader's Digest. Pardon me. Lucky Strike Program starring Jack Benny. Uh, Meet the Meeks. The Abbott and Costello Show. The Maury Amsterdam Show. My Favorite Husband. Screen Director's Playhouse. This is starting to sound like John Dunning's book. <laughs> Bold Adventure. Four-Star Playhouse. This is your FBI. I Love a Mystery. Young Love. The Ford Theater. And then I, I pulled out some single and individual shows and specials. The Victory Chest program during um, World War II, it was toward the end from September 29, 1945. Folks on 4th Street, May 1946. A Christmas Carol. She did two separate Christmas carols, one in 1949 and one in 1950. Whispering Streets, which was uh, an ABC Net Origination special. Uh, the writer with the lame left hand. I have no idea what that was. Uh, it was a Norman Cohen play that he wrote for NPR uh, in the 90s. 
It's um, it is a long description. Like Norman Corwin's in here somewhere. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for my heads up on that. Uh-huh. Manhattan Tower, and the last one I have listed here is the woman in my house, which sounds like very spooky stuff uh, it, by Sweetheart Soap. It would it would call me more daily uh sh- soap of the Diffy, very similar to One Man's Family. Oh really? Yes. The woman in my house sounds spooky. <laughs> Gee whiz. Now, that all belongs to one performer. Mm-hmm. One performer, old-time radio performer. These are all old-time radio shows. This woman is magical, and we, honest to goodness, are so blessed to still have her with us. Absolutely. So I have to thank... ...schedule an interview with her one night, We should do it. We should do it. Yeah. We should do it really sooner sooner than later. And, uh... We won't do it. Do it now, Walt. Do it now. Yeah. Which is from the Bickersons, folks. I'm not yelling at Walt. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a consistent line, excuse me, from <clears throat> from the uh, from the Bickersons. But, uh, give you an idea, um, most likely we'll start at uh, noon on Eastern, we'll broadcast, um... Dave Parker, who's written a PhD on the Lone Ranger, who was an actor on the Lone Ranger radio show, has a brand new DVD out, and he, he and I will talk about this, and we'll play some of it that you can listen to over the air, and we'll talk about that. Then we'll do a CBS Mystery Theater. Mm-hmm. We'll do Three Skeleton Key after lunch. We're going to probably do a Vic and Sade after that. Those of you like Ray who love Vic and Sade, most likely that will be... In the afternoon, we'll sit down. I'll do some one-on-one interviews, or uh, or have, bring up two and uh, talk to people. Probably Dick Van Patten and Rosemary Wright together. Uh, maybe talk to Ben Cooper. We'll see who's who's free for me to sit down and talk to. We'll do a little Orphan Annie radio show. Uh-huh. We're gonna do the untold story of the I Love Lucy TV show. At night, after dinner, we're going to do uh, a miniature Your Hip Parade. We'll probably do a Superman sketch. We'll do Lights Out. We'll do My Favorite Husband and Go to Bed. <laughs> <laughs> then, like then, last title. then after that, after we introduce everybody, um, we'll do X-1. We'll come after that. Um, I will do probably another interview or two in the morning, have lunch break. And then the show that, um, let's see here. Then we'll probably do some other interviews in the afternoon. At 5 o'clock Eastern Saturday, put this on your calendar. If you heard Rep's version of The, of the Wizard of Oz, which was a wonderful performance, and if you remember the, the young gal, Kate McKnight, who played the Judy Garland part in, in that show, she is going to be Judy Garland again in the classic Meet Me in St. Louis. She's rehearsing them all. So if you remember such songs as Have Yourself a Little Merry Christmas, the trolley song, clang, 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 went the trolley. Huh? All those famous songs from that movie, she's scheduled to sing all six of them in one hour, plus do the show. So that would be from uh, 2 o'clock West Coast, which would be 5 o'clock Eastern, tune into that. That should be a highlight. Something I picked out that we should try. We always try to do a musical, and this is our version. We'll wind up doing some more at Joe's Leave. We'll do some more interviews. We'll do John Jensen, who's a Frank, who was Frank Bazee's producer for the stage show 
on the Golden Days Radio, when it used to hit the road with 18 radio personalities, he would present uh, comedy sh- radio shows. Uh, look back to Fibber McGee and Molly, Jack Carson, many shows. He has video clips and he talks about them in samples. That will be fun. Uh, that will be around 6 o'clock Eastern. At 7.30, that's when you'll get to hear Lee Lella Ransom, Shirley Mitchell, doing the Great Girls Reef. And then uh, around 10 o'clock, we'll come back on 10 o'clock that night. And we'll, we will uh, we'll do Suspense, The Screaming Woman, starring a 10-year-old little girl, a local Seattle performer who Brian discovered. And then we're going to... We're going to sneak over from the Jack Benny show over to the Phil Harris Alice Faye show. And you get to hear Phil Harris and Alice Faye and see what Phil and Frankie Remley gets into trouble. And then after that, we'll probably go to bed and get up. And uh, we'll celebrate Shirley Mitchell's career Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That will be our weekend. That is one Dickens of a weekend. Yeah. And that is coming up this coming weekend. This is not next year. Uh -uh. (laughs) They're really going to accomplish all of this. (laughs) It's in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And the most, not the most, one of the more remarkable features of this is the admission price. What are the admission fees? Oh, well, it depends what you can do. If you call Mr. Brian Hager, he work out a special deal called Monday. But uh, typically we ask for about $145, $145, that was two meals. If you just want to come part-time, we can let you in for $30. Uh, for $35 for one of the dinners, we can let you in for $10 if you want to see two, three hours during the day. We'll, we're, we have some room, and we'll, we'll work out something. If you're in the Seattle area, if you haven't registered, you can call us on Monday at area code 206 Five four two six two three one, and we we want you to come, and so we'll work out something that fits your budget, and you can come. So that's the nice thing about reps. Reps doesn't really want to turn anybody down. There, there is the the emphasis of interest is getting as many people in to enjoy and appreciate old-time radio than it is as a fundraiser. Correct. It's a money-making operation. It's a 5013C, so it goal is to preserve and encourage the history of old-time radio. That's, so, the, so that's the mission. A non-profit yeah. certification. Yeah. Okay. That, that is really cool. Yeah. Um, it, it's just such a wonderful weekend, and I, I feel robbed. I want to do it. <laughs> I'm going to, oh, oh my goodness, I went to um, my brother and sister-in-law's anniversary party mm-hmm. today, their kids put together, oh, it was really lovely, it was such a lovely affair, but they went ahead and under some of the seats, they taped lottery tickets, mm-hmm. so maybe I'll be able to f- afford to come to to um, Seattle. If you win, you'll be my date. Oh, wouldn't that be swell? Uh, that would be great. That would be good. Now, I've never played Powerball. I'm not big on lotteries. Once in a while, I'll buy a ticket. Yeah. And then it says, okay, you've got five numbers, and... Front and in your face when, when Oscar got cantankerous. <laughs> <laughs> 
Red Gregory Radoff could be just as cantankerous, but one of the challenges was that some of the letters are pronounced differently in other languages than they are in English, mm -hmm. and the letter V, as in Victor, is one of them. Mm -hmm. The question, one of the questions they had asked Gregory Radoff, the answer was national velvet, and he kept saying well-wit, well-wit, <laughs> and Clifton Fadiman was moving on saying, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but that's not the right answer, and I, I think the other guys probably got it, but he just he just went I mean, I mean it was this is the answer that's what i said well wit well wit. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the kind of fun that they had but having the two of them together on the same clip that's going to be a lot of fun to listen to what other flavor do you have who who did he join up with um was it it, was, it wasn't georgie was it georgie jessel no um al jolson yeah I think it was Jolson, oh, yeah. Jolson. Yeah. Yes. One of Patricia's all time not favorites, so. That's... No, it was not a marriage made in heaven. No. But Oscar was such an accomplished musician. So we'd love to talk to you tonight. If not, Patricia and I will just be here to entertain each other. That's okay. But the fam why we stay up on Saturday night is to have you guys join us. At 714-545-2071. If not, this will be the last time you get to talk to Patricia until Christmas time in July. So right. take advantage of the opportunity. You have to get, you have to get warmed up with your Merry Christmas mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a note from underscore Bill who is, just, has Bill appointed him officially as the assistant engineer? I don't know what he technically is. He's just the uh, super sleuth of Yesterday USA who troubleshoots and does everything remarkable relating to Yesterday USA behind the scene in terms of... Uh, he's, he's our system guru. Yes, he, he takes care of uh, the automation systems. He can help design, take care of the websites with, along with Don Richards. He can he work on special projects. He is, just, he is very tech savvy. And he's very precise. Yes. He sent a note to me earlier tonight, mm -hmm. and it says it's possible that Live 365 has started requiring listeners to log in. There are reports that they have set it up wrong, and maybe even streams like Yesterday USA may, t may need to log in. I'm reading this from Bill. Uh, let us know if anyone gets something asking for a login and how they got it, and I'll make sure that the message gets over to Bill and make sure that nobody is restricted from from making your ears happy. This is Saturday. Our job is to make your ears happy. I have a theme. What is the theme? Oh, wait, wait. We're into uh, Happy Father's Day in the Central Zone now. Hello, Dad's out there. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. All in with some Father's Day stories. Mm -hmm. That would be just so neat to do that. Mm -hmm. But my theme for tonight, we have one show from 1948 and one show from 1949. So, we do? wondering if anyone remembers driving or having or having a family car or seeing relatives and friends have a family car from those years. Did anyone have, see, or drive a 1948 or a 1949 automobile? Give us a call, 714-545-2071. I pulled a picture of a Ford station wagon, 1948 Ford 
station wagon. Mm -hmm. It looks like a milk wagon with wheels, you know? Uh, got a black front, and I guess it would be what the Beach Boys today, or when they sang, would have been a woody because it's got the the wooden doors and a wooden mm -hmm. panel that stretches to the back, but it's it's boxy. It's a box with a a nose on it, <laughs> an engine. But, so that one is a Ford, and then uh, they had a shot of a person sitting behind the wheel, an interior shot, you know, shot from the passenger side. Mm -hmm. Well, then I look at this and I think, how did anybody survive even just a little bump? If you hit the steering wheel, the horn was a, a wire rim. Yep, uh, yep. The steering wheel was unforgiving. It, it was just hard, brick hard, and the dashboard looked like it was ready to kiss you to begin <laughs> with. And if you hit something, you were going to kiss it. So anyhow, hey. that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And if you have some fun things or remember cars from 48 or 49, give us a call. Let us know. I think I got the wrong shows. Oh, no, really? Yeah, huh? What did I send you? 1935 and 47. But that's okay. You give me the 48, 49. I'll pull those whenever we need them. Mm, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what did I send you? You poor guy. What I, what I pulled was the overnight trip to the hotel. Well, you told me something you said uh, from 1935, but you didn't think it was quite right because it, it mentioned uh, Phil McGee and Molly and something like with oh, the rest okay. of Okay, I know what I sent you and what I really wanted you to play. I, I would have loved to hear that one, but when I got about halfway through, it started with a click, 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 click. Ah. So the sound quality was, you know, and it, and it was really nifty because it was a mislabeled program. Well, then maybe what I need to do is listen to it maybe sometime and I can see it. maybe I would have it from a different source sometime. Uh-huh. And every source that I had, every yeah. listen to me, I have three sources that had... Fibber McGee and Molly shows, and all three of them were unrelated, and all three of them have that show labeled as, what What did it, um, what was it labeled as, the, what's the overnight trip, what, what was in 1935, what were they doing in 1935? Oh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the one that I sent you was, and I don't know why you can't keep track of me. <laughs> I just didn't get a chance to listen to it, that's all. You're the baseball instructor. You really do a marvelous job, and it sounds like a good baseball dealie. Yeah. The, the challenge was the show is labeled as being from July 22, mm -hmm. 1935. Right. Sibber and Molly didn't even win their home at Wistful Vista, 79 Wistful Vista, until August 16th, was it? 26, I think. 26, okay. So a full month later, mm -hmm. and when Harlow Wilcox, uh, who was out on the road with these people, he was at every gas station along the way, it is a traditional show that we are accustomed to hearing, and he introduces, and so is Mrs. Molly McGee at 79 Wistful Vista, and that was part of his introduction, and we know that's not correct. So it's a misdated show. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where it belongs. And Jerry, Hen poor Jerry, I have trouble with this. Hennigus? Hennigus, yeah. Hennigus, okay. I, I just, I'm so sorry, Jerry. I, I just trip over your name. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, 
few willikers. But um, even his site has it listed as a 1935 show. So it's a big clue. We'll have to figure out where the really it belongs to. Where it belongs. And mm-hmm. it's probably listed, and this is just a guess on my part, as you go through the lists, you'll find something that says not available or never heard of it or here's a hole in the schedule that we've never found that show. It belongs in there somewhere. And I had never heard the show before that my, I can recall. My guess would be 1938, but that's to be my guess. Yeah, I thought it was probably later than that because they sounded like our lovable Fibber McGee and Molly. So if that's the case, then it's probably after... Around 41 on. Yeah, somewhere like 1940 would be about the mm-hmm. earliest that they sounded like our lovable Fibber McGee and uh. Molly. Otherwise, there was a noticeable uh, Irish brogue uh-huh. in Molly. And I mean, it wasn't as pronounced as, as if she had just arrived, but it was most assuredly there, and it was built in as part of the character. She had a little bit of a still in 39, right? Uh-huh. When do you think that she put it aside? Was it 41? It was 40 and 41. I think it just kind of petered out. I uh-huh. don't think it, it was, they went away for the summer and came back and she didn't have a brogue anymore. Okay. I, I think it it kind of waned because even through the life of the show, periodically you will hear a word that you know is a throwback to her Irish heritage. Mm-hmm. They just happen occasionally. But before that, in, in the 1930s, and you know what? And that was very common of radio in the 30s is to have um, humor based upon uh, people heritage. Ethnic, ethnic yeah. humor, yeah. Yeah, and, and by the time we got in the 40s, you didn't see as much of that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they figured it wasn't in vogue at the time. I think there were a couple of other things that came into play. I asked... Mr. Schultz, Claire Schultz, who has been our guest a few times, and later on maybe we can talk a bit about his newest book. I talked with him about Nick DePopolis, who was a wonderful character in the early 40s, and he suddenly disappeared. And there was another one, another character who came in. Um, It was the Thanksgiving dinner. Do you recall that Thanksgiving dinner that they had out? Yes, yes, I remember that one, yes. And it, it wasn't yeah. Nick, but it was the same character. Mm-hmm. It had a different name. And he thought that the interplay with Greece in World War II and so many of the European nations being entangled in, in this just dreadful war that we had, he mm-hmm. thought that they pulled the character because of his Greek heritage. And that surprised me. I I didn't think in the 1940s there was the politically correct emphasis or emphasis on the political correctness that we see today and, and rob ourselves of some of our history in the process. But he thought that that was probably the reason they pulled the character. And it was such a good character. I love Caesar. I... I, I... <sighs> And I don't know when do we became so PC about things like that. It must have been uh, other factors involved, but I don't... He, th- he thought it was... Uh, when we talk about politically correct, we're yeah. talking really socially and culturally. Correct. Uh, people want to water everything down and, and make everything equal. I, this really was a political move, mm-hmm. that, that it was politically based and rooted, according to Mr. Schultz. 
But he didn't know for sure. That mm-hmm. was what he had surmised and, and felt was the most logical explanation. I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I, I would really like an opportunity to talk with someone who is also familiar with that era in radio and see what they think. Because it can't be the only show that had ethnic characters that were either changed or rewritten Mm -hmm. or temporarily dispensed with uh, during the duration, you know, for the duration of the war. Yeah, true. Um, Anyway, that's my story, and I would like more stories about that. If anybody knows what happened to Mr. DePopolis, Nick DePopolis, and why he disappeared, I would like to know. So anyway, that's how come I wound up with shows from 1949. Oh, good. Well, we'll pick. Well, you, you, well, well, you let me know which one. We'll grab that one in 48. Not, that won't be too hard for me to get my hands on. Okay. Do you have Painting the Kitchen? Did I send you that? Yeah, one? I do. Okay, you do have that one. So, uh-huh. and that means that um, the second one in between, when we take a break, I'll I'll just email okay. the other one to you. It's called the Overnight Trip. When Fibber is going to take Molly on vacation, uh-huh. and books them, book he books both of them a room at the downtown hotel for one night. Ah, uh, yes. Vacation. Do you recall that one? I think I do. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a cute ending. Yeah. I, I like the ending on that one. So when I saw that one, I I pulled that. So I will email that one to you while we're talking. So where's our family tonight? Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Where is? <laughs> They're on summer vacation. Maybe, oh, maybe. I got a note from Dennis. Mm-hmm. I had sent out um, discs this week, and I thought I was all caught up. And Dennis, poor Dennis, he's just fallen from week to week to week, and I sent him an envelope and said, I think I'm all caught up with you. And he sent me a note and said, no, the whistler's missing. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh, my good work. I was so proud of myself and hadn't earned it yet. But the P.S. to that is I don't know if someone else asked for it. And if someone else didn't ask for it, someone else has his whistler because I did indeed make a whistler disc and send it out. It just didn't go to Dennis. <laughs> so there might be two people who asked for it. And uh, because I sent one out, I thought I had satisfied the list. And I didn't. So uh... I apologize. And I will get the whistler out to you. Nice. 714-545-2071. I can reassure you this is not on Memorex. This is live. Yeah. And we can we can accept your call. Now, see, the challenge here is yes. that periodically recorded shows are played. And when they were recorded... They were live with calls being taken from the outside and questions being, and the number is broadcast as give us a call, for example, with Bill, and he'll give the the number as, what is the number? His number? 972-889-TALK at 8255. I have to stop, and I've got so many numbers, Chris, or that's, poor little brain. Or Bill is 972 Nine, let's see, nine seven two eight eight nine two four five five. So that's Bill. Two four five five. Uh huh. So he did get, I get eight two five five. No wonder I get wrong numbers. That, that talk, and that's and the other one. Bill. Oh, that's what it is. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So I, I really do call the right place. You do. Well, you hear one of these interviews, and it's great, and people pick up the phone and call and don't and wonder why somebody's <laughs> not picking up the phone on the other end. 
it's because it's a recording. So when you say this is not Memorex, this is live, there might be a time when we're not. That's true. When somebody records that, they'll do us at a different time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ticket. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got all sorts of nifty goodies to play with tonight and some fun information. And the lines are really open. I didn't tie up the line, did I? Well, we'll see. Let's open this up and see if it's still. I think it's. Yeah, yeah, it's still. I didn't mess it up. Nope. Okay. Nope. This is good. I'm not having a very good day. <laughs> My record is not very good for today. So if it were tied up and messed up, I would accept full responsibility. Oh, no. Yes, I would. Oh. Oh, yes, I would. I know, but I, it's not necessary. Yes, I would. I know. Well, would you like some fun stuff? Sure. Well, I have to go through my list here. We have trivia. We always have trivia. Mm -hmm. And if you answer a trivia question correctly, let me pull out my trivia questions here. If you answer a trivia question correctly, I get to send you some radio shows. And that's pretty good. You know what, though? We need to, should we tell, should we tell the secret though? What's the secret? Uh-huh, the big secret. Tell me it's a secret. The secret is when everybody calls, the, they got a really good chance of winning old-time radio shows. Very good chance. Yeah, really good. Really good. Really good. And I'll tell you why, because I've got a lot of green questions here. <laughs> now, would somebody like to know what the green questions are? Tell me, what are green? I knew somebody would want to do Tell me, tell me. When I ask a question, I, all of my questions are black print on, you know, on a, on a Word document on the computer. And when I ask a question and the person doesn't know the answer and I move on to another question, I mark that in green as having been asked so it's still out there. And I will let you know what is still out there. I keep track of them. And when a person answers a question correctly, I mark it in red. I just changed the lettering to red, so I know not to ask that one. So I've got a collection of new questions. I have a collection of what I call my green questions. And I need some people to call in and put these poor little things out of their misery, and they can get to turn red. What's the hardest question you think you have in your library at the moment? The hardest question as of this week. Of uh, this week. As of this week. Yes. Is what was Chief Gates' first name? Oh, uh, that's a good one. Chief Gates from the, the Great Gildersleeve. Right. He's the one with the really low voice. <laughs> played by Ken Christie, everybody. That's who played it. Uh-huh. You know, Ken Christie, of course, has one of those voices that no matter where he shows up, you know who. <laughs> you know who he was. You know what he played on Firm Game Molly? Um, yes. Just a minute. Yes. Oh, you keep talking and let me think. All right. That's Patricia. I'm Walden. <laughs> and we are here. We have just thrown Patricia a, uh, a trivia question. And I know she can figure this one out. Did, she play, did he play the police chief there, too? No. Then no. I'm going to be lost. What did he play on Fibber? Well, where did, uh, it was on 14th and Oak. Everything was on 14th. <laughs> <laughs> I think the 
funeral home was there too, but nobody talked about it. What what the what place did Fibber Molly go always on fourteen? You know, what of all the places they went down in fourteen? What place did they drop in more more times than others? Well, there was Kramer's Drugstore and there was the Bonton. Okay, so you're close. So which one you think? See, okay. Um, and incidentally, just as a, as a little tossed-aside piece of trivia, uh -huh. we always call it Kramer's Drugstore. Right. It is actually spelled K-R-E-M-E-R. Huh. Kramer's Drugstore. Huh. But I think in the show they also pronounce it Kramer. Right, they pronounce it Kramer, yeah. Kramer. Huh. So I just thought I'd throw that That's out. That's very nice. People think I know what I'm talking about, you and do. I got it from Mr. Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh, let me see. Now, if he were down on 14th and Oak, and he's not the police chief, he's not a police officer, he's certainly not Mr. Kramer. He doesn't work in the Bonton. He's not the banker. I know that. Old man. Who is the old man mm, at the bank? Oh, yes. The bank? Yes. Um, uh, something, Mr. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, yeah, Mr. Whatever. Oh, I should have asked you that question. That would have been good. But that my two ask questions. But oh, you, 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 can I give you a clue? Sure. You can give everybody else clues. You're discounting something. You're, you're discounting one of the answers. You just said he's not. He's not Mr. Kramer? He is Mr. Kramer. Are you serious? Yeah. Mr. Kramer yells at Fibber for messing up his cash register? Yes. Yeah, many times. Now, not probably not all the time, but that's the one I recognize his voice on for several seasons, it being Ken Christie. I'll be darned. You know, Ken Christie was another one who could just march into a show and do a great job and exit and never come back or be such an infrequent right. performer on that show that you don't recognize you're listening to someone who was a regular. Yeah, a, a, a semi-regular who probably during the Golden Age was a con considered a character actor who most people were not of that time probably taking right. too much notice of. Right, and Shirley Mitchell is one of them yeah. as well. She was so well known in Fibber McGee and Molly as Alice Darling, right. the renter. Right. Who was there during the duration for the duration of the war, mm -hmm. and also Leela Ransom and boy, you talk about different characters. Oh yeah! Wow, and she performed it beautifully. But that list I went through before, I told Walden earlier. I, it's just Johnny Dollar after Johnny Dollar after Johnny Dollar, and I love that show. And I've, I've actually just within the last couple of weeks listened to easily a dozen of them. I can't find her voice in there. She is so good that. She can create a voice for the character she's playing, and you'll never know it's Shirley. That's true. You'll know instantly it's Ken Christie when right. he plays a role. Right. But my goodness, she is wonderful. Yeah. So anyway, what is Chief Gates' first name? And the P.S. to this is, mm -hmm, if people were listening and stayed with us for a long time, mm -hmm. we talked about that probably eight or ten months ago. That's that's a good clue. So pull out our t pull out our show from eight to nine eight to nine months ago, and you might be able to figure the answer out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and if you pull out this one of the shows, Gildersleeve found a baby. Yes. What what year? What era was that? Uh, that was the 40... It was nineteen forty eight, September forty eight. Wait. Okay. 
September 8th of 48. 1948. Yeah. And for months, it was right up until Christmas. Yep, December 22nd of 48. Right, it was a Christmas show where the baby went back to her daddy. Right. And for all of these months, nobody knew who this baby was. Right. And she had no name, and they were having a Name the Baby contest. One of the shows had people marching through, Mr. Peavy thought. It should be one name, Judge Mm -hmm. Hooker, another name, and... Um, Chief Gates came in and gave the suggestion of a female variation of his name, and that's how we found out his first name. So that was in 1948. I'm that should that be a good. That's a good clue. Uh huh. That's okay. Good. We can do that. So anyway, if you were listening and you have a memory that's as retentive as Walden's, which is not likely because I work from notes, he works. <laughs> Uh, I wrote down Chief Gates' name. (laughs) This one I would remember because it was such a wonderful find, something that you would not expect to come across. But anyhow, what is Chief Gates' first name from the great Gildersleeve, Chief Gates? And that that is my hardest question. That's a good one. That's a hard question. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, maybe nobody's listening to us tonight. Uh, maybe, maybe they can, maybe they're all having the same problem. They can't log in to listen to us. Ah, oh, in which case we really are entertaining ourselves. Uh huh. Somebody is out there. Wi-Fi people wouldn't have a problem with it, right? I don't know. If you have a problem, give us a call and let us know. If you can't hear us, give us a call. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Somebody on the show one night said that. Yeah. If you can't hear us. Give, give us, us a call. Let us know. <laughs> That was really good. Okay, so we're going to have some history notes. Got history notes. I've got trivia about Father's Day. I think, now, if I remember hearing the story correctly, Father's Day was named for uh, a father who was not famous or anything. It was just a daughter who wanted to spend tribute to her dad. To her dad. Well, that's interesting. I think it was done in the state of Washington. And it's about 100 years old. Okay, I, I do have the history here. Um, introduced by Sonora Dodd in Spokane, Washington, she wanted to honor her widowed father, William Smart, who took care of his six children during the Civil War. Since Sonora Dodd was the girl who first started the tradition of Father's Day in this country, she had campaigned for her father's birthday, June 19th, to be, to be declared as Father's Day. And that that wasn't quite it. It's a, it's a Sunday now. Let me see. I have to go down here. What? Uh, Considering tomorrow is the 19th, it's pretty appropriate. Say what? Tomorrow is the 19th, so that's pretty appropriate. This year falls pretty on appropriate. it. Appropriate. Yeah. Who was the president that declared Father's Day would permanently be the third Sunday of June as the official holiday? Howard Taft? Nope. This one's really going to blow your mind. I can have? You're not too far off, but just keep going. Wow. I know. Wow. I, know. I thought it would be somebody like Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. No? Richard Nixon? It was Lyndon Baines Johnson. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 Well, it's sort of like the National Anthem. I mean, here Francis Scott Key wrote that in 1814 and wasn't really 
Congress didn't really set it to be our national anthem until 1931. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, I'm looking at the notes here, and some of them are not very clear. Either that or my brain is not very clear. It looks like Father's Day was probably celebrated, but it was not made an official holiday until Lyndon Baines Johnson declared the third Sunday of June as the official holiday, and he did that in 1966. So that's pretty cool. Very nice. It was President Woodrow Wilson who first said, however, in 1916, that Father's Day should be given the status of national holiday. Mm -hmm. It just took a little while to do it, like 50 years. So, <laughs> I guess they didn't talk to each other when they. So I wonder when, uh -huh. I wonder when Mother's Day was officially considered. What, is it the second Sunday in May? Second Sunday in May. So I wonder. And I have. Let me go back. What date was Mother's Day this year? I think the 14th of May, I think. That would be exactly right. Yeah. And in my notes, that was the week we talked about Maypo. Uh-huh. Um, and free ice cream and Vincent Price and David Ogilvie and good grief. I don't have Mother's Day notes here. Is that possible? Well, maybe, maybe it's a week. Maybe that it was May 7th. May 14th. Yeah. So that would have been the second Sunday. I know. Let me, let me see what I didn't do here. Because we did talk about that. Mm -hmm. I had all sorts of neat little goodies here. So maybe I did it on the 7th because Mother's Day. Ah, here it is. Mother's Day trivia. I did it the week before. Um... In 1910, West Virginia was the first state to designate Mother's Day as an official holiday. Four years later, Congress passed the joint resolution that President, Rose, uh, President Wilson signed, establishing the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And that was 1914. And poor Dad, 1966. He had to wait 40, uh, 52 years later. This is dreadful. Why don't you hear the rest of the information? <laughs> Dads, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to do something mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. All right. The first Father's Day was announced and celebrated in 1910 in the same city where it originated, but it took that amount of time to become legally official. Okay. Here we go. The tie is, I should have asked you this, the tie is the most traditional and most famous Father's Day gift. I always thought that was a joke, you know, and it isn't. People buy poor dad ties. And that is throughout the world. That's not just in this country. Uh, you know, and let's face it, nowadays I'm wondering how much people buy ties to begin with. I mean, people don't dress up as much as they used to. I mean, nowadays in the work environment, it's not necessary for guys who always have ties on. You know, it's sort of the uh, more casual work environment. Oh, when you're in the subway, you're lucky if people are holding on to their pants. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, they're wearing their belts around their knees. Yeah. Never mind a tie. They, maybe they use the ties to hold them up. Mm hmm. Hmm. That's a thought. But anyway, Father's Day ties. When Do you get your dad gifts for Father's Day? Uh huh. We, uh, my dad. You know, being a uh, guy who likes to be very casual. Uh -huh. So mom went out and g g got the present. And do we asked what dad wanted. And so he gets to have tomorrow uh, shorts. 
he likes dad likes wearing shorts. Uh huh. You know. He wears them almost year round. He and my oh, brother, you know. You got him something that he would wear. Yeah, he would wear. wear a tie. And then then we're always big on what do he want to eat, so we're gonna have New York, we'll have steak. Ah. On the barbie. Steak man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what that will be Dad's day. Well, I think we ought to ask people what is the goofiest Father's Day present you ever gave, got, or know about. Hello there, you're on the air. What do you think? <laughs> about somebody who doesn't send out the whistler to a person who's been waiting forever for it. No, no. In fact, you don't have to rush to send it out. Well, I won't rush, but I feel bad that you didn't get it. No, like I said in the email, you know, you gave me, gosh, I don't know, 40 hours or so to listen to. And I listened to a couple of days, so I probably have three months of shows to listen to. So I have more than 24 hours to get it out. I'm really sorry. I was so proud of myself. I said, okay, I went back through all of the weeks of my listings because I list. I, I keep track of calls and, and what I owe people. It's not from memory or on scraps of paper. I mean, I really got a pad here, and I'm almost organized. I don't know what happened to you. You poor guy. You just, you know, from week to week, I owed you Dimension X. It must have been from last Christmas. <laughs> oh, my God. Obviously. I, yeah. Alden is making together, and I thought, this much is too hard. Poor Dennis, he's fine, and I, and I wasn't. How are you? Fine. Um, what do you think the second most popular gift is for Father's Day? Oh, how interesting. Let me think about that. And then we'll give Walden a chance, and then you can tell us. Do you know the answer? No, but I know... Oh, did I know the answer to the question you just asked, which is, what did we do for Father's Day? Right. Yeah. Aftershave. Well, after that, yeah. I well, think that might well be. Probably, probably Old Spice is a big day for Old Spice, probably, huh? Um, let me, while, while you Old two are for a minute, let me go out and see yeah. if there is something. I would think shirts, you know, dress shirts would be pretty way up on the list, too. <laughs> but kind of expensive for at least me, little yeah. kid, with yeah. allowance. Yeah. Now, Old Spice and Aqu Aquavelva. He, he bought all spice for himself all the time. Right. Gave him something different. Right. I don't know if he liked it or not. He never said. He always just would smile and say thank you. And <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, in most cases, I bet Mother's Day was more important to mothers than Father's Day for the dad. That's just my gut hunch. Well, I'll tell you. Father's Day... Poor guys on the bottom. I'm not connected to the internet on this. Um, mm -hmm. on the, I may have to restart this computer. I'll, I'll check the other one. Um, it says Father's Day in, in the card selling business. Where does Father's Day sit? Way down, I bet. <laughs> How way down? I I would say not even in the top ten. Probably probably close to twenty. Oh, my goodness, no, it's better than that. Okay. Depending on which Hallmark, well, I guess the second one isn't Hallmark. One place said the fourth most popular after, give me give me the ones that follows. Well, Mother's Day, mm -hmm. 
Christmas and Easter? Valentine's Day. Valentine would Got be. Got it. Those are the three. So yeah. it was Christmas. Valentine's Day is more popular than Mother's Day. I would have to go back and. Of course it is. And verify that one. What do you? Th <laughs> well, no, that's not true because um, kids give Valentines to each other. Oh yeah. Uh, you do, mothers don't exchange Mother's Day cards, but you exchange Christmas cards and you exchange Valentine's cards. So, yeah, I, I guess that would make sense. Oh, that would make sense. Okay. I wonder how many, how much candy the candy companies might sell just for Valentine's Day. Oh gosh, we should have looked that up. Yeah. I have all sorts of chocolate statistics. And yeah. Valentine's, Valentine's Day is one of my favorite holidays. Because the day after Valentine's Day, you can go to the store and get candy for like 80%. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> it's in a heart-shaped box, mm -hmm. and they can't sell heart-shaped boxes. So, Oh, that's funny. I don't think I'm getting this either. Nope, I'm not. I'm going to have to restart the computer. I know um, my friends who work for Sea Candy were at the major uh, West Coast high-end chocolate place. They do not allow their employees to take Thanksgiving until Valentine's off. They they need them for hands on deck during those, those time of the year because that's where the candy business thrive. Yes. It's, it's that yes. period of time. It really is seasonal. You're mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. How many chocolate gifts do you wind up giving in the middle of July? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember one year, some, some time ago, I uh, went to the shop that does chocolate and stuff here in Denver and uh, I got a five pound bag of high quality chocolate I mean really nice dark chocolate hearts for a buck oh <laughs> who cares what she I had chocolate for the rest of the year <laughs> now the years is even okay I'd rather have the years but um, gee whiz that's good stuff well, I have something just for you, because I was so sure you were going to call in. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's, it's really true. I'll have to go find it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it chocolate? <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with chocolate. I, gee, I, I hope. I didn't. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. Here we are. Goody two-shoes. Want to take a shot at the expression, goody two-shoes? Oh. Boy, I've heard that. Um, it's going to be a dancer, right? Nope. And I was pretty close to it because I knew that in um, areas like Salem in the early years, the Puritan years, Goody was a popular name for women. And it was, it was Goody Goodfellow who wound up being tried and convicted of being a witch. But anyway, um, Goody Two-Shoes, a self-righteous, smugly, virtuous person. It comes from the title of a rather moralistic nursery tale called The History of Goody Two-Shoes. I didn't know that that tale even existed, which is thought to have been written by Oliver Goldsmith and which in 1765 was published by John Newberry, one of the earliest London publishers. Goody owned only one shoe in this story. Goody only had one shoe, 
When she was given a pair of them, she was so pleased that she showed them to everyone, saying, Two shoes. So in those days, Goody was a common nickname for married women, being short for good wife. And the character's real name was Marjorie Meanwell. <laughs> And she lived in Moldwell. That was in the in the story. But anyway, she walked around saying, look at my, Goody had two shoes. Goody was the name of the character. Goody had two shoes. And she was a Goody two shoes. And it was a puritanical style nursery rhyme. How sweet. Well, that's where it came from. Goody two shoes. That really Goody is sweet. I can, I can imagine someone in that time, Yeah. you know, not having two shoes and someone gave her one. And... Uh-huh. I've always identified really myself sweet. as a goody one shoe, but this is better. You are good. You are ready for really, a question. Really good. You are going to talk with me about 1948 or 1947 Fords or cars, or you're going to tell me about the goofiest Father's Day gift you've ever heard of. That's a lot of choices. I think we lost them. They're all way too hard. <laughs> okay. let's, let's talk about something else. Like what? Um, actually, two things. Okay. Um, how many shows did Virginia Gregg actually do? She's everywhere. She is everywhere. If you give me a minute to change... Um, I, I, you don't have to give a real number. I'm just yeah. Well, about uh, there's a place that gives out a collection of credits. Now they're certainly not comprehensive, but at least gives you an idea. Well, if you talk about and her, and she's a fascinating person to study because yes. she she did not start out in the entertainment industry as an actress. She started out as a high class. A classical trained musician. She was a bass violinist for an all-girl orchestra. Really? Yes. Who was in radio, who always wanted to become an actress. And she got her start in LA radio over at KMPC. That's where John Daner, William Conrad, all of those people in the, in the 40s broke their teeth in local radio. And that's where she got started. I think her first big credit would be uh, with Bob Bailey over Let Joyce Do It around the 47. And then Jack Webb just fell in love with her. And he, he became probably all the major female roles that you would hear on the Dragnet radio series. Uh, her husband... Jaime Devalle was an executive producer for radio shows. One of the shows that he produced was Richard Diamond, so she became Helen Asher, of course, you know, the girlfriend on that show. She also had the gift of doing role voices, young kids. And so you would hear her do a lot of the young kids on radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we know his Mrs. Wong on Have Gun Well Travel. Missy Wong, yes. Yes, and you could hear uh, uh, Johnny Dollar, Johnny Dollar's girlfriend, uh, Betty. Um, yes, she's 
like I said, yeah. it just amazes me. Yeah. She's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, who, oh, it was Frances Robinson. I've got her name pulled up here. Now, each show that she did with, for example, Let George Do It, if she did 10 shows with Let's George Do It, Let's mm-hmm. George Do It, it would count as 10 credits on this list. Right. But they stopped at 1,200. <laughs> that's, that's pretty pervasive, and the the numbers of different shows uh, they look like Shirley Mitchell. We were talking about before. We've got Lights Out, The Lux Radio Theater, Cavalcade of America, um, lots of Lux. He did a lot of Lux. The Rudy Valley Show, The Whistler, uh, Masterpiece. Let's see, Family Theater, another Whistler, Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. Um, your Movie Town Radio Theater. I don't know that one. Your Movie Town Radio Theater. Do you know that one, Walton? No, but um, by the late 40s, early 50s, NBC and the network really tried a lot of movie tactical shows. Some of them didn't hit, sort of like that one. Uh, Town Radio Theater. Yeah. So this, this was one of the reverse items where they would take a movie and try to um, put it into a radio show format. Yeah. This was a ZIV syndication. Correct, Ziv. Ziv was based in Ohio, and he came up with radio series and syndicate through the country. For example, huh? Mr. Dickrich's Attorney, uh, The Cisco Kid, Boston Blackie, all those were Ziv radio series. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this list uh, goes on and on. Of course, Richard Diamond takes up a, a huge block. Um, Let George do it was quite did quite a few of them. Doctor Kildare, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. This, uh, my goodness, my goodness. She did. Yeah, she's Dr. just Kildare. everywhere. She was everywhere. She and was everywhere. Let's see what. I there. have great respect for uh, actors and actresses who worked so hard at their craft and I know, and that is um, ah phone problems. We've got uh, I've got an email from Dan Dave. Um, what an interesting Virginia Gregg story she told at Spurvac when she used to do Dragnet. Um, Jack Webb wanted a gal who sounded like a lush. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and so, uh, and this must have been for TV that they would go ahead and have her take a few sips. And reshoot after reshoot, she finally got the scene the way Jack wanted. And I guess Jack had police officers always hanging around. Uh, they decided that she wasn't going to drive home. So they, they took her home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Walden, you live in California. Yeah, I sure do. And um, I, I don't know about L.A., but... In San Diego, they have painted on the side of the car to protect and serve. Uh-huh. And uh, I think driving her home is close to the epitome of service. You got it. And, But I have a better one for the epitome of service. Right. I used to live in San Diego. And one day I was driving to work, 
And uh, there was a lady on the entrance ramp with a flat tire, an older lady. And damn it, if there wasn't a policeman there changing her tire for her. Oh. Now, isn't that great service? Yeah. yeah. That is nice to hear. Yeah. That's a warm fuzzy. Yeah. You know, the police officers and the firemen who serve us are really the heroes. They have they serve the community and there are a lot of good things they tell and do for the community and don't get any publicity for it. No, they don't. They yep, just don't. That was that was my point. Mm-hmm. Only the bad stuff gets mm-hmm. publicity. Except for now. Except for now. We are performing a public service. Mm-hmm. Walden, uh, excuse me for interrupting, um, Dennis. I, I want to hop over to Walden. I think I did a terrible thing before. I just got a note from Dan Bates who said he's tried both our numbers and, and they're not working. And I think because I gave out the station numbers, people are, are thinking that that's uh, false. Well, that's okay. 714-545-2071. And that's the one you called, Dennis. So here and, we are, right? And, and if you do call them, just ask for Bill Bragg and he can tell you he can transfer us to it. No, I better not. If, if he answers... <laughs> Don't you think he's sleeping? We're we're in trouble if he answers at this hour. I don't want him. <laughs> well, we're lucky that the studio in Texas is downstairs and Bill and Kim sleep upstairs. Bill isn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you know, Dennis, do you know Chief Gates' first name? You know, I heard you mention that show with the missing baby. Uh-huh. I have, I have heard that show, and I loved it, but, you know, darn, I really don't know. But uh, Now I've got your curiosity up, huh? Okay, I'm not going to give you the answer, and I have to wait for the rest of the computer to load here before I can ask you a trivia question, which I will do. It's, double up on it's, it's <laughs> fine. I think I've taken enough advantage of you on those CDs for a Nobody while. Nobody takes advantage. This is part of the fun. If you answer a question... Well, you don't understand. You see, I've been listening to you for some months now, <laughs> and off and on, and I've always gotten them right, and now I'm afraid I'm going to ruin my record on the next question. <laughs> Boy, I hope so. <laughs> found a question for anyone. All right, now that's miscellaneous. I have to email Walden a show from this file. Um, let me see here. We've got, I'm back up now, and I should have another connection. When I discovered Walden, when I pull the router and reboot it, yeah. I break my Wi-Fi connection here. Ah, uh, that would happen? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll tell another, another Virginia Gregg story. Okay, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, we've had Dick Beals on as a guest on the show. Dick is four foot six, who did a lot of the little kids on Sergeant Preston, the Lone Ranger, everything out of Detroit. Oh, yeah. He often kept his young boys, so yes. he had a lot of roles that were open to him. Best known as being proud of, yeah. Best known as being Speedy Alka-Seltzer for many years, for mm-hmm. 50 plus years. Well, in 1951, he decided to to make the big gamble 
and go to Hollywood. And they, in those days, in 51, you knocked on doors. You basically, you didn't have agent. You went from one studio to another, to another producer to try it. And his door, he just couldn't get in. Uh, the Green Hornet, uh, uh, somebody knew uh, Jack McCarthy, who was the Green Hornet, and got him in, uh, w, WFYC gave him a note, and that got him in for an interview. Um, but, you know, nothing really happened. Well, he started, to, he started to work, and he was running into problem because he, his specialty was young kid voices, and all the produce, all the secretaries said, "You're not going to be able to get in, do no role because Mrs. Devalier had that line all sold up." Hyman Devalier's wife. And he was getting a little discouraged, and he was sitting around with one of the actress, and she and Virginia Gregg asked him how he was going, and he said, well, I'm having trouble. Miss, all these secretaries of all the producers that said, Mrs. Devalier got this role all locked up. And she stood up, she was upset, she grabbed him by the hand, walked up and down, every producer walked in and said, I am, you know, I, this, this Mr. Beale, that's a better young kid voice than I ever do, you hire him the next time. She did it up and down, and finally got to Mr. Devalier's office, the one that he always had trouble. He never got past the secretary, but he noticed with, with, with Virginia Gray, she just walked by the secretary, walked into Jaime Devalier's office. Jaime had his face into the, looking at his grip, said, Jaime? Yes? This is Dick Beals. He's got the best kid voice of all time. And you just don't ever hire me for another, another one of your shows. And he said, yes, dear. Yes, dear. And she said, well, dear, okay. What are we having for dinner tonight? And that's when Dick Beals realized that Jaime DeVaya's wife was really Virginia Gregg. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So that so Dick Beals always felt indebted to Virginia for basically opening the door for her for him in Hollywood. What a lovely story. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also John Daner. Um, oh, yeah. John Daner credits Virginia Gregg for being the one opening the door for his career over at KNPC. So a lot of people felt uh, felt the world about Virginia Gregg. They, they... Sounds like a wonderful lady. Yeah. Yeah. So... And there's some John Dunning interviews with her, so eventually, when we get done running Ray Bream on on, Saturday, on Sunday, we'll run some of those Virginia Gregg interviews here in the not-too-distant future on Sunday nights. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Larry sent me the links to the John Daner interview mm-hmm. and the Elliot Lewis interview, mm-hmm. and I've listened to one Elliot Lewis, and I still have the other two uh, going, but one night I would like to um, to talk about Elliot Lewis. Mm-hmm. Spend some time talking about him. What a remarkable man! What a remarkable man! So um, yes, and I just got a note back from Dan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had gone like confused world by saying something that wasn't true. Um, let's see. Oh, he's got Chief Gates' first name. All right, Dan. Uh huh. 
But Dan, that doesn't count. You have to call in with that. You can. He will call in. <laughs> he's a late caller. Good for you, Dan. Okay, he's going to call in and give us give us the name of Chief Gates. This is good. Uh, okay. Um, so. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a normal question. Want a normal question? What's normal? Well, a normal question is not something like, what's Chief Gates? You <laughs> only heard it once in how many years was, was Gildersleeve on? From 1941 to 1958, 17 years. 17 years. So you heard that one time in 17 years that I know of. It might have popped up somewhere else, but I've, for all of the shows that I've heard, I've only heard it one time. So I will ask you a more normal Gildersleeve question, okay? Are you brave? Uh. I, are you a Gildersleeve fan? Do you like Gildersleeve? Oh, I like Gildersleeve, but... Which one is your favoriteest? I just feel really guilty. So, Which is good. Okay, well, let me improve on your guilt. <laughs> I, I have a question for you. Uh-oh, I'm not going to feel guilty. No. What? We'll okay. just see if you... Um, if you remember from Have Gun Will Travel. Okay. And this is this is a really easy question. I like easy questions. Okay. You knew about Missy. Missy Wong, yes. From Have Gun Will Travel. Uh-huh. But who was both on TV and radio the um, guy who played the... Uh, Bellboy. Ben Wright. Oh. <laughs> you do know. Yeah, I did know. <laughs> you know what Ben Wright used to do in rehearsal? No. Ben Wright, a great genius who was also Sherlock Holmes during the 1949 season, used to work the New York Times crosswords, crossword puzzle in ink during the uh, rehearsals of those radio shows. And he got the words right. Yes. Wasn't that he just filled in letters. <laughs> Actually got them, got them right. It was, it was Hey Boy. He played the role of Hey Boy. And one of the really nifty things, and I will dig this out for anybody who likes unusual shows, he filled in one time for Basil Rathbone in Sherlock Holmes. I don't... I. I'm assuming, I, I say assuming, my brain tells me Basil Rathbone was out sick. Something like that, about 1946 or so. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you're right, I had sent that show to you as well. Yeah. It was uh, a real treat. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And there he is, playing Sherlock Holmes, and he did a great job on it. It was really good. So if you're looking for a pile of surprises, that will be one I put in there. That he actually, and I marked it very well, so I won't lose it, as I sometimes do. I'll say really clever things like, you won't believe the show I heard today, and Walden will say something really clever like, send it to me, and I will say something really clever like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I heard it, I didn't save it. Well, for example, that we ran into that one, uh, Patricia loved the song, um, Kathleen. Oh, yes. Yes. And she loved the version that a tenor sang on the Fairy McGee and Molly show. Uh-huh. We had to try to track down what it was. So found it. We found it eventually. I did find yeah. it. Boy, is it marked now. Yeah. Yeah. Kathleen. It's in big capital letters. Kathleen. Never mind the name of the show. Kathleen. Kathleen. <laughs> uh, let's see. What was... Um, Kathleen. 
That's a great song. Go my, oh. Come home, Kathleen. Come home with me, Kathleen. Or... I'll take you home again. Kathleen, Wait. yeah. Yeah, and it's a great song. Mm -hmm. And it has to be sung correctly. It, it, is, it was written for a tenor. It was written to be sung without somebody else's stylization. Mm -hmm. And this was, it was um, Kenny? Kenny, who was the singer on? Jimmy somebody, very unknown, uh, there for a short stint. It wasn't yeah. Don, it wasn't Donald Novus, it wasn't no, one of those. It was I think his name was Kenny. Okay. Um, when I go back and listen to the show, I'll pull his name. There's a good trivia question. Who was probably the most famous Irish tenor on radio? Dennis Day. Oh, you're very good. But I'm thinking of actual tenor who was not associated with a comedy show. Yeah, a 15-minute daily. Oh, a tenor tenor. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I'll give you a clue. His son wound up being a gigantic t TV talk host personality. That wouldn't help me at all. <laughs> Dennis, are you with us? Do you know that? Not a clue. I don't have any idea. It was Morton Downey, and of course his son was Morton Downey Jr., who was the, uh, in, in the yeah. 80s, what the... talk show. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I did not know Morton Downey Sr. was a singer. Uh-huh, an, an absolute famous singer, a tenor singer on radio. Did not know that. Yeah. Coca-Cola. Here's, here's your great Gildersleeve question, and then I'm going to owe you, and, and the... No, you won't, because I'll get it wrong. <laughs> My run has been too long. I've gotten too many right answers to admit. Okay, well, you want to Molly question <laughs> Which one is, in, is your stronger suit, Gildersleeve or Fibber? Or... Pick, pick, what, what is your best show? What show that you know inside and out? We can come up with a trivia question for that. Oh, Impossible. Okay. And we don't have a show named Impossible. <laughs> All right, The Great Gildersleeve. She's just Gilder waiting to trip me up, isn't she? No, I'm not. What was Horace Hooker? Well, not what was Horace Hooker. What did he do for a living? Hmm. The name is familiar. Of course it is. Horace Hooker. What a name, huh? Uh-huh. Gee whiz. Played by Earl Ross, a great character actor. You got me. Oh, no. I really didn't mean to. I'm never going to call again. <laughs> oh, no. I wrecked your record. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you another Gildersleeve. What was Mr. Peavy's first name? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I want to say Horace. But uh, no, I just asked you about Horace Hooker. Yeah. There's only one Horace in that show. It didn't confuse us. You mean I got you a second time? His hurt, his, um, I think Mr. Peavy's first name was Mr. Excuse me? <laughs> well, that's what oh, they called him. Oh. Mr. Peavy. Oh, Dennis, of course they called him Mr. Peavy, but he did have a first name. Well, Gilder could get called Peavy. That's right. Yeah. 
What a name, Peavy. I want to know how Delilah came rarely, up. Very but once in a while, I say rarely, once in a while he would identify mm -hmm. himself or someone would call him by his first name. And what the middle, what's his middle initial? That's a good one, too. I know. I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know so few. Uh, I mean, you guys are so great. <laughs> you know what, Mr. Peavy? Well, if you didn't know his first name, you're not likely to know his middle initial. So, all right. Uh, I guess that would be true. Moving right along, we will give you a product. We'll forget old-time radio. You have to finish this slogan. You'll stop paying the elbow tax when you start. Say that again. You'll stop paying the elbow tax when you start cleaning with... Johnson's wax. Oh. I thought the same thing too, Dennis. Oh. Wrong. I I don't I've never heard that slogan before. Three for three. Ron from Hawaii will answer it. Mm. All right. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that one. Boy, you're not having a good night tonight, are you? Well. All right. We're, I tell you what. We're back to name I, again. I um. Just got done watching a movie I've wanted to see for a long time on TMC, and it was Nothing Sacred uh, from 1937. Yeah. Uh -huh. Carol Lombard and Frederick March. Right. And um, made my head spin. Yeah. Was, they just had all this commentary about people in New York City. Um, really negative stuff, you mm -hmm. know. Totally inco politically incorrect uh, in our day today. And you, I when I when that was finished and I tuned in, you were talking about political correctness, right? Ah, and um, you know they were raking them over the coals in in terms of. You know, how they were insincere and didn't care and dishonest and, I mean. Yeah, stereotyped. Well, yes. but and that is the same sort of thing you hear about, you know, New York City today. Mm-hmm. Stereotypical. It, it, was, it was very interesting mm -hmm. to hear that a lot of the stuff that they're say, they were saying about the financial district and so on. Mm -hmm. Exactly what they say today. Mm-hmm. How mm -hmm. oh, interesting. Do you notice how cleverly he deflected attention from... I noticed the ping-pongs through the whole phone call so far. Uh-huh. You know, Dennis is uh, tapping over there, Patricia picking up the ball and backing it back over. It's been an interesting phone call. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to give you one more chance to give... The Whistler, some company in an envelope. Otherwise, you're stuck with just the Whistler. Are you ready? Oh. Questions. Five strikes and you're out. <laughs> okay. Big sigh. Ollie okay, had, um, one more chance, and then you can uh, get me to hang up. Just one more chance. Molly had an uncle. What was her uncle's name? Oh, Patricia. Dennis? Yeah! There you go. We 
finally did it. <laughs> you have I, know, I know my own name. Wouldn't you have been embarrassed if you got that one wrong? Yeah, I'd be like, he I'd be, that's almost like asking, what's the name of Jack Benny's tenor on his radio show? Oh, I know. Yeah. Same thing, practically, isn't well, it? That's right. Yeah. What, what is the tenor? Oh, Dennis. Is the tenor on Jack Benny? That's Dennis Day. Yeah, you go. Okay. Well, I didn't realize how many Dennises we had here. Okay. What 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 would you like to keep the Whistler Company on its route to you? Hmm. This is not dead air, folks. This is think time. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I, I'm supposed to keep talking all the time. No, no, no. We're supposed to keep talking while you're thinking. I see him. One thing you could talk about is Fanny Bryce. Ah. Uh, I have Baby Snooks. Would yeah. you like Baby Snooks? Baby Snooks would be wonderful. Well, you can have Fanny Bryce and Baby Snooks. I think... Okay, of Baby all, Snooks and the Whistler. What a pair, huh? Of all the shows, mm -hmm. um, I think Baby Snooks and the Bickersons are able to make me laugh out loud when I'm sitting all alone in a room just listening to them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, I, I do understand that. I came across a couple of shows the other day that did it to me, and it's it's like, you know, I've got this reputation of she who laughs alone out the window here because they catch you by surprise. They just sneak up there with something really funny, and it pops out. Good stuff. Okay, Baby Snooks in the envelope with the Whistler, and I do apologize about the Whistler. I really... Oh, stop apologizing. Well, anybody out there... Like I said, Walden keeps you way too busy. Oh, yeah, well, somebody out there got a Whistler, and, and if they didn't ask for it, I'll know where yours went. <laughs> if they asked for it, I should have made two, and I didn't, so... Okay, Baby Snooks will be yours. You have right. a good night. Maybe you can call later. Both you guys... And have a great time at that conference. Thank you, Dennis. I, I will. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there's our good friend, Dennis from Denver. Uh-huh. 714-5452. And if that's Dan, he knows the answer. Do you know the answer? Uh, the answer to what? Anything. The answer to the question, know. what is Chief Gates? first name. Oh, no, I, you know, I don't know, but I will tell you something interesting. This is Kurt from Lahmer, by the way. Yeah. Um, Your voice, Kurt. Hi. Hello. I just started listening to The Great Gildersleeve because I really didn't like it in the past, or I didn't think that I liked it in the past. But um, uh, somebody sent me some kind of a, uh, a link, and so I thought, well, I'll look it up on the archives. And the archives under has most of it available for download. Mm -hmm. And so along with listening to the original Peter McGee and Molly's, the early ones from 38 or 39, uh, and by the way, they were, as you were mentioning, like right around the time that, February, that they won the house, they were quite different. And as you guys were mentioning, her voice was different. Mm -hmm. And they were not the nice River McGee and Molly that they later became. No, no. They were they were brash, he was henpecked, she was a harsh 
person. Yes, yes. Characters were very different from uh, yes. we we fell in love with later. Right. You're right. And the thing, actually, I'm kind of surprised about is that Horatio K. Boomer, I mean, I would have thought that his character would have gotten tiresome because it was always the same thing. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a very tiresome character, and it was a rip of W.C. Fields. Well, it was meant to be. It was meant to be that, of course. But it it was. I I did not enjoy Horatio K. Boomer. No. Did you get any pleasure out of the character at all? No, I no, not really. No. I mean, I understood. I mean, we looking back on it can see, you know, uh, more about him. That you know, more about all of them. Mm -hmm. Than when it when it was being done, and of course apparently she got sick, and so that's why there were some shows missing, and then she and then finally she came back. Mm -hmm. But I would be curious to know whether the person that she was 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 more like in real life was more like the well, like the first shows or the later shows. Uh, are you talking Marion? Yes. Oh, she was very much the later shows. Was she? Yes, yes. She was not a harsh person at all. Um, this this was, they originally did a show called Smack Out. Right. I've heard a couple of, of excerpts of that. Uh-huh. And that essentially is all that was known to be available were those four excerpts that were tucked together on a single file. And quite by happenstance, and I do mean happenstance, I came across two Smack Out shows. Mm that I would be very happy to share with anyone. It was in a most unusual place. I believe it was a British poster who was cleaning out her files and said, I don't know what these things are, but before I throw them out, does anybody want them? They're here. Excuse me, of course we do. Well, here's the interesting, I mean, here's the interesting point about, you know, some of the characters like Teenie and stuff huh? like that are, they're already formed on those shows. Yes, they were. And a long time before, you know, mm -hmm. the show was actually done. That is absolutely correct. And Jim and Marion are Jim and Marion in that show when they sing and when they serve dinner. But no, I guess not when they serve dinner. When they sing, it's Jim and Marion. But when they revert back to the Smackout characters, uh, Walden, is it Uncle Luke? Who is the... Luke, Luke Gray, correct. Yes, Uncle Luke. Mm -hmm. And who was Marion? Um, I don't know. She, I don't think I... I Did she even have a name? I don't even know she had a name. That's interesting. Well, Teeny would would interact with Uncle Luke, and I do have those two shows. Yeah, and Uncle Luke was the character with the guy who told the long uh, right. tall tale. That's how Jim and created And referred that. to him as Uncle Luke. Right. And he referred to himself as Uncle Luke. And I think Jim and Marion, I don't know if they actually came into the store to, it was, it, themselves. I don't really even know. Uh-huh. They might have. Um, anyway, what was the, sh the, the question that you asked the other guy about Fripper McGee and Molly uh, that he missed? Well, we see, we asked the Great Ghostly question and see what Fripper McGee... That one I don't know. Let Although, me think. like I said, I started to listen to the beginning of that series. Well, we just asked about Ken Christie, what character he played on Fermi Game Molly and Patricia figured that one out. I'm trying to think what else do we ask? Help me with that one. Let me see which ones. I have uh, the, the questions that I asked were in the Great Gildersleeve, what was Mr. Peavy's first name? Yeah, and I, I don't know that yet. I'm, but like I said. And who was Horace Hooker in the Great Gildersleeve? 
And I you know, I don't know his I don't know his voice. I mean, I, I heard a couple of the shows yesterday, but I don't know his voice. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Sure. Um, it's I'm not Howard McNear, but he sounds kind of like you know, kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Um, I'm going down my list. I'm going down my list. Well, that's okay. Uh, who, who? Well, one from uh, one that has that was left over. And I have marked in green, so nobody answered it. In Fibber McGee and Molly, who was Mabel Toops? Do you know Mabel Toops? No, I don't remember that name. Okay, no. right on down the line. But you guys, okay, you guys were talking about a show that you didn't know where it came from. What, you know what, is that, you said that it might be 1935, or that's what it said? Uh-huh, yeah, but a McGee, we were talking about a 1930, Patricia found a Fred McGee and Molly show that's dated 1935, and we know it can't be. So we were talking about, you know, the shows are having missing, you know, misdated the shows. Yeah, did you find it on the internet or in your collection? Both. She found both ways. In, in both places. I, I went back and I checked my files, and it's listed as 1935 there. Um, it's July 22nd, 1935. And it is the baseball player, hmm. or the baseball oh. instructor. The baseball instructor. And I listened to it, and by golly, it, it, Harlow Wilcox introduces Molly as Mrs. McGee of 79 Wistful Vista. They did not get 79 Wistful Vista until a month after this show is dated, and they certainly are not the brash Irish couple right. who are in the 1935 show. So it's a misdated show, and it's a great show, but it's misdated. I'll have to look because I got about, I think, about 14 seasons of it, although they uh -huh. didn't have some of the 54 stuff that the Radio Archives, I think, has. Uh-huh. Yeah, give a check back on what is listed in the because there are only a couple of 1935 shows, and this one is listed, as I say, from, I believe it's, it's um, July 22nd, yeah. 1935, and it's called The Baseball Instructor. Hmm. I'll have to, I'll have to. And Molly and Sibber are talking about a baseball game. So, but clearly, as I say, clearly it is not correctly dated because they didn't even have their house yes. <laughs> on this, this date is marked. So if you've got some information about where it does belong in the collection, and I ran searches and, and tried to find baseball elsewhere, this is, this is the only place that it is listed like this. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, let me see what we've got here. You've got Donald Gates' first name, Mr. Peavy's first name. You, you cross that one off. Judge Hooker um, was Horace Hooker, was judge, was the judge. So we just gave that one away. And you want a really hard Super McGee and Molly one? No, not a really hard one because I, I don't remember. Some of the, a lot of the stuff I don't really, haven't heard yet again or don't. don't. Ah, Okay. Okay, but you, uh, did I ask you about Mr. Peavy's first name? Yeah, and I don't, I don't know it. Okay, let me let me work my way down the list here. In uh, our Miss Brooks, are you an our Miss Brooks person? I've listened to a few of them, but okay, we talked about this last week, or the week before, so it's it's very recent. Who played the role of Walter Denton on our Miss Brooks? Uh, Walter Denton. What was his? It's not that guy that played uh, uh, Chandler. Um, uh, nope, don't know. He sounds a little like Chandler. 
Okay, what? Oh, that one's a really hard one. You know, this is interesting. For anybody who is a great Gildersleeve fan, what was Piggy's, real Piggy Banks, who was yes. one of of uh, Leroy's friends, what was his real name? You know, I'm pretty sure I must have just heard that yesterday, but I sure don't remember because I only remember him as Piggy. It was like Albert or something. I don't know. Don't know. Very strange name, and as far as I know, it was only in one show. Uh, Marjorie opened the door and called him by his real name, and he asked her to please call him Piggy, not by his real name. As far as I know, that's the only show, and it was uh, in on October 19, 1941, if you want to go back and, and check that. Oh, I bet, yeah, maybe I haven't listened to it yet, but I'll tell you something interesting. After the setup for the first show, which is the one about the one of the first shows, which is the one about her cake, where they eat her cake. Uh huh. I just found it impossible, almost impossible, to listen to the rest of it because I knew exactly, you know what I mean. It was just uncomfortable to listen to. I don't know why. Well, Marjorie, who was the first Marjorie? Who played Marjorie the first time through Walden? Uh, Louise Tuttle. Who, 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 an interesting story, she played for the three years and quit the show because she thought, here, she was 35 years old mm -hmm. and she playing a teen in 18, 19, she just didn't think it was shooter. And it was absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. She sounded too old to be a teenager in that show. That I found disturbing in that first show as well. When did, did we play that show or did somebody play that show? I, might have. I, ha I haven't played it in a while. I recently listened. Isn't that odd? Mm -hmm. That's one of the shows that I recently listened to as well. Well, I just, like I said, I um, went up on the Internet and in looking for, and I thought, well, you know, I've never really given Gildersleeve a chance, and I know people that love that show. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to download the whole thing. And I'm, I, In fact, I have a, a DVD that has, you know, all the shows on it. And it pretty much, actually, there's some duplicates of a bunch of the shows, and I have them in, under se separate, separate subdirectory. But it basically fills a DVD of, of uh, Gildersleeve shows. And I thought, well, if I can get to where they're, I mean, you know, because I think Fibber McGee and Molly are funny. And I think Fibber is funny in the show, so maybe, I mean, uh, Gildy is funny in the show, so maybe... You know. in, my, in my opinion, because I am a great uh, gigantic girl, I think he finally hit his stride by 1944, the fall of 1944. I think the first couple of years, he, they're, they're, like a lot of these shows, they're testing working with not working. Uh -huh. And I think by 1944, the fall, that's when it really started to click. And I cannot believe, though, how much Wilbur, Willard Waterman sounds like. Harold Perry, I can't even tell them apart, really. I didn't realize until much after I had started listening to them, when I was a, when I was in my babyhood, I'm still in my babyhood in radio, because um, I haven't been with this, but I was, I did not know there were two Gildersleeves. I did not realize. I cannot. Like I... you, they sounded so much alike. However, in listening to them now, there is a great deal of difference to my ears between the two of them in how they performed the role. They sound alike, but how they performed it, I I am finding that Hal Perry was almost overacting, and he he was difficult. He's difficult now for me to listen to. Willard Waterman is, in my eyes, 
the the great Gildersleeve. Well, you know, both of them were Chicago-based radio actors who were good friends who did a lot of shows. And just before the show, they would get to go, okay, which one is going to go higher, which one's going to go lower? They had, they knew they sounded almost similar. Yeah, they performed in the same shows, and you're not talking about the Great Gildersleeve. No, I'm just talking about in Chicago. For, uh-huh. for example, they work on Tom Mix or different shows, uh-huh. and they would get together and say, okay, which one of us is going to hire, which one's going to go lower? That way, it doesn't sound like the same person. Mm-hmm, and that was very kind of them to do that, yeah. because I've heard a couple of shows, more than a couple of shows, where actors sounded so much alike that I lost... A, I had no idea who was talking. It, it was so frustrating well, that I would just simply stop listening to the show. I think, and you know what? That's a common criticism of today's radio. Uh, I've been listening to people who listen to current radio, and they said it's hard for them to tell one actor from another. In the, at least in the golden days of radio, they took care to having each voice sounding a different that you know without always saying mm-hmm. their name, who was mm-hmm. who. Was who. Yeah, the more modern radio, the closer that they got to the end, the less attention it seemed that they paid to it. Yeah, well, that's, yes, that, that's that's true. Okay, uh, well, do you have any other, and by the way, that other thing, other, that other thing, uh, the one other question that you asked that Walden uh, and I, uh, apparently, and your listener, both gave the wrong gave the wrong answer to because they gave it as, as Johnson Wax, which I would have thought. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, that was that was way up at the top. Let me go way back to the top. Oh, I don't think I have it either because the other oh. the other thing that came to my brain was Weather Wax, and of course, but but that was Lassie's name, so I don't know if that's right either. Stop. You'll stop paying the elbow tax when you start cleaning with. Yeah. Well, like I said, that's that one. That yes, one. Yes, that one. Got you out there. Okay, well, here's here is my final question for okay. you. Are you ready? Yes. In Dragnet, who was Frank Smith? No, I don't know that one. Oh, Kurt. Oh, Kurt. I think that's a, well, you know, there have to be weeks in which nothing happens, you know? There have to be the weeks of the good stuff and the weeks of the drought. Oh. Why is it okay. not summer? That's, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Okay, I will ask you another one. Okay. All right. Patsy Bowen was in a detective show. Who was, she was in a detective show. She was not the detective. Who was Patsy Bowen? Uh, Can't give a clue. I don't know. Was she in, let George do it? No. No. The show opened with a big door knock at the beginning. Somebody banging on the door. Nick Carter. Yeah. There you go, Kurt. There you, you got go. it. You did it. Okay. <laughs> and that, that, you know, that was not a huge help either. Okay, so Kurt got Patsy Bowen. I have never asked that question before. That was the first time on that question. That's true. And who who was Nick Carter? You know, I, that wasn't, was that Long Clark? Long Clark. And you know how he got started in his career in radio? That's an interesting little sidebar. No, but I know he just turned, is it he that just turned 100 or what? Uh, he passed away a few years ago. But yeah, Norman Corwin, some of them turned 100. Norman Clark started out as an opera singer. He was a professional opera singer who turned into be a radio actor over at WLW in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, no sidebar. Yeah. I'm not 
doing very well in finding the shows that you have been hoping. Oh, that's okay. Like I said, I've been because I've um, because I wrote to the like I said the one of the people that wrote me a letter was somebody that I replied to uh, was someone that had actually that is praying for me, a minister, and he actually sent me something about Gildersleeve, and I. And like I said, I thought, well, you know, I don't really like Gildersleeve, but maybe it's because I need to follow it from the beginning. I need to follow the arc of the story and really, you know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, well, maybe that'll do it, because actually it does build on what you knew before about him and, and whatever. Yes. And so, uh, like I said, uh, I have... Uh, I think for, especially for historian, it's a great show because you get to feel what the war was like. Oh, yes. I mean, it... it open a lot of things that people won't know. Yeah. Yeah. Life during yeah. the war, and, yes. And they, they don't, or, or did not in the shows I listened to, they, they did not spend an awful lot of time like Fibber McGee and Molly did in terms of war efforts. But they made references along the way where Bertie would talk about points and Pat's stat. Incidentally, I found how to how to spell it, and I didn't do my homework yet and to find out what Pat's stat was, uh, which is a craft product. It was a cheese substitute product. Um, so they they talked about points. They talked about um, Leroy having to make do with his shoes because it wasn't time for uh, another pair of shoes and. Uh, those kinds of things. So they were not straight war right. promotions. They weren't public service type shows, but they did make reference to a lot of the things during World War Two and what. I think to the like. extent that everybody was living it, mm-hmm. uh-huh. they just kind of put it out there as part of you know something that everybody had to deal with, and it was so normal at that point that. Yes, yes, and then they just rolled it in as part of the show. Because it, because that was life at that at that time, sure. Uh huh. But the early shows, I can't, I do not know why. I was listening to these, but I listened to the show where he was on the train going to Summerfield from Wistful Vista. So I've been listening to the earliest shows as well. And you're right, they really did set a tone on that. So, are you going to send me on an assignment to see if I can unearth something that no one has ever asked for before? I don't know, although I heard about a show today which I did not know anything about. I guess it was a series, and I don't even know how many are out there for sure. One of the, On one of the tapes that were on Yesterday USA, somebody played a show from a series called Nightmare. Nightmare? With Peter Lorre. Oh, 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 I do have some Peter Lorre shows. Let me see if I can, if they are Nightmare. Well, I bet they're not. I bet most of those are Creeps by Night or Inner Sanctum, because, or, and even a couple of Suspense. Yeah, he had a series called Mystery in the Air. There's only eight of those. Yeah, and he, well, he, that was his whole summer series. That was a great series. Yeah. Um, he beca- And surprisingly, because Orson Welles did The Great Barastro. Right. And... Peter Lorre did the great Barastro as well, and right. I think Peter Lorre did as well as as and, Orson Welles did. And, and I don't know if more people know the announcer on that is Henry Morgan, the gentleman you saw on Mass on TV. I. That's the same. That's the same gentleman. Who oh is yes, yes. In his nineties now. Right. Yeah. His work before Mass on television was distinctive. Mm-hmm. It was good. I did not think he did a particular, um, this is heretical almost for people who are real MASH fans, mm-hmm. I didn't think he was all that great in the role on MASH. 
I know a lot of people like to work with uh, Jack Webb in the 1967 uh, Dragnet TV series. Yeah, I think he was. Yes, he yeah. was really good in that. Yeah. But when it came to Mash, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Kurt, did you hear him in that role? Yeah, I did, and um, well. I didn't. Strained. It sounded strained to well, me. I, like, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of Mesh, okay. and I'm, I don't exactly know why. Mm-hmm. But um, because I actually, one year I think gave uh, Mesh to Dad either for Christmas or for Father's Day. He was a he was a Marine, mm-hmm. and um, so that's a whole another, <laughs> not especially. There were very similar, uh, huge similarities between the great. There were very similar, uh, huge similarities between the great Santini and my father. Mm-hmm. Same expressions, uh, same, you know, whatever. So, but I was very lucky because uh, the last time that I talked to my father really and had a good conversation with him was the Father's Day before he died. Oh my and goodness! And so, and it, it was nice because uh, because of access, I was able to go there and, and visit, and you know, with, without too much difficulty. And it was very, you know, we went over there, and my wife and I went over there one time, you know, on the bus, and so. Uh-huh. But that was really great. Having nothing to do with whatever with OTR, but it is Father's Day tomorrow. Yeah, and we've been talking about Father's Day, and and I cannot yes, and I cannot believe the short shrift that fathers got having to wait until sixty six or whatever it was. <laughs> I know it before a national holiday was officially <laughs> declared. Yeah, and and I was astounded. Well, but see, it's because it it maybe it's because because the women wanted Mother's Day and and kind of would raise more of a ruckus if they didn't get it. You know. You know the person. I've, and I'll have to go back and look for her name again. But the person who campaigned for Mother's Day was relentless, absolutely relentless. And I know that that had a lot to do with yeah, I'm sure it having did. having front row seat. Yeah, I'm sure it probably did. But I, I'm I'm feeling very terrible for Father's Day that it took until 1990, uh, 1966. Well. Before officially declared well you know look at the difference and think about it in your families the difference between what your father what your father got for his birthday and your mother got for hers you know what i mean i know what you mean um Mm -hmm. but it it, it was a little bit different in our family (laughs) my father had front Row performance on that. Um, well, that's good. You know, mother had mother had to be recognized, but father got the, the greater amount of attention. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that. It was really unusual, and yeah. I didn't realize how unusual it was until I was exposed to the world when I was thirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. I mean, some things should wait till you're older. <clears throat> really. Yeah. Well, it did. And I, I, you know, I don't think there's a problem with that. Anyway, um, let's see. I, oh, I would let you know. I, 
and let you know that I thought I was going to have to have a tooth pulled, but I'm not. Oh, good. So but the, the, the bad news was that I was supposed to go see my oncologist assistant on Tuesday, mm-hmm. but because they cleaned my teeth and, and whatever to try to take care of the tooth problem, I had some other problems and could not actually go to see the doctor. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to wait and do that after my uh, prescription, my antibiotics run out probably this Monday. So, mm-hmm. But I will be going pretty soon and hopefully to get the good news. I, I hope so. You were feeling positive about it. Yeah, I was feeling I'm positive. Yeah, I was positive about the the results only because, like I said, if I'm seeing the the yeah, I'm, yeah. If I'm seeing the assistant, there probably isn't that much bad news. Uh-huh. It, it's not a command performance. Of course, I, like I said, I'm waiting to kind of, I will be curious to see when that happens, to if, if it's borne out by what they tell me. Well, we will keep you in a whole, all wrapped up in good thoughts on I that I do one. appreciate that, and, I, and you guys uh, are doing a good job. And, you. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you're with us and, and you're having a good time with us. Yes, yes, I am. And like I said, I'm going to listen to more of the of the Gildy shows. And, uh, and of course, I listen to them at uh, at double speed. So uh-huh. I can, you know, oh. I listen to them in, in about 15 minutes. Hey, Kirk, before you go, yes. Ron from Hawaii called me uh, this week and he said, can you have Kirk talk a little bit more about the double speed? He, he wants to know what software you're using, what program, can, oh, he wants oh, to know. Is he blind? Yes. Okay. Well, you can do it. I don't know whether you can do the same thing with a... I'm using a, um, a Victor Reader Stream. That's mm-hmm. what I'm using uh, because I can keep all my notes on it and whatever. But mm-hmm. I think you can also do the same thing maybe with the, with the newest uh, book port. Okay. And if not, there is a way. There is a program out there which you can speed up the program, the um, the content, and re-record it. Mm. Which with this with the uh, stream, I have not had to do. But it makes. I was really used to hearing it, at, with the at du- straight double speed and hearing the voices, as being higher and everything like mm-hmm. that. But once mm-hmm. I was able to uh, to just adjust the Victor stream and not have to change the pitch of the voice. Huh? It does make stuff uh, easier to listen to. So can, is it a program as a free download somewhere, or uh, what could what could, could he find it? Uh, the program, I don't know the name. I will look into the name of the of the program that changes the speech okay. speed, because that one, I believe, is a free program. Okay. If not, it's very cheap. Okay. Because Ron was asking me about that this week. He said, what, the next time you talk to Kirk, ask, ask him to talk about that. I would be super if you could uh, pull together some additional information. I will do that because mm-hmm. I think that that's, I mean, as blind people, I think that that's one of the things that since apparently so many of, of us were doing it just for textbooks and stuff. Right. That, that we, you know, should do it because people, you know, and the same thing is true with books that are read too. I mean, it's uh-huh. so slow to listen to something at regular speed. Yeah. When your brain is is working faster than that. Uh huh. So I will try to um, I will try to uh, to uh, find out the name of the program and where you can get it. And um, if I find it early, I will. Um, Email uh, Patricia the Sounds information. Great. And that way, and she can send it over to Ron. And, uh, but I also will call uh, back next week and talk about it if I have much else of interest about it. But I think it's very, very definitely something worth looking into. Oh, sure. that's great. Thank you for doing that. Oh, sure, you sure. Appreciate it. 
So I will talk to you guys probably next week. Well, no, not next week because you're not on next week. Nope, I'm in Seattle. Well, I, I'm on. I'm on. You're but on. Patricia's you're on. on. <laughs> you put it to be a different format and no call in, yeah. and we're just going to be hearing really great stuff. Thank you for remembering and then, that. And then in that case, saying, oh, yeah, I will great. definitely next week. Uh, you remember the word to uh, Patricia so she can send it to to Hawaii. Terrific. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, um, we'll be wrapping in good thoughts this week. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And seven one four five four five two zero seven one. It is getting close to Father's Day here on the West Coast. That's right. We got two minutes left, yeah. and if Dan calls in, um, he's got the answer. He's got the Chief Gates answer. He got the biggie. He got it. Well, we see if this our buddy Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm right here. How are you doing? Fine, Dan. Hi. It's good to hear from you again. We haven't heard from you for a while. I know it's been a long time. It's uh, I it's started good. listening last it's night at ten thirty, and I guess you had a late start tonight. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, once well, a month. Once a month, Walden decides okay. to go play hooky and and uh, honor other people's program for a while. Well, that's fine. I I woke up about one thirty, and I thought I'm just going to tune in and see if they're on. And lo and behold, there you were. And <laughs> we I was are. like half asleep, and I heard. Nine seven two, and then I started calling. And I am so sorry. It was absolutely my fault. And thank you for sending the email because if I did it to you, I surely did it to other people. We were uh, just to fill people in. We were talking about. Bill, say, you know what it is, Walden? Yes. Live. This is not Memorex, and I just picked up on that and said, "Well, we hear uh, Bill talking in." interviews that had been pre-recorded or are replays of interviews that he did live and he's giving out of course the station phone number which i gave out <laughs> <laughs> well i i, and nobody after I woke up a <laughs> moment i thought wait the bill and the talk number that's for texas and i thought california that's that's a uh, four five uh, uh four four fifteen yeah yeah, I know. And then, I, then I had to go to the website and look up the number, and then I called in, and someone had called in and got a business signal, and was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. but it was I, just... I uh, sent it to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry about that. However, all right. you know Chief Gates from the Great Gildersleeve. You know his first name. I do. It is Don. Now, now, I do believe that that question was first asked uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh-huh. Yes, it was. Yep. Yes, yes. Okay. And I, I was surprised it was still unanswered. but uh, Still unanswered. And it's something we had talked about, oh, I would say close to a year ago. I uh -huh. had brought that up, that uh, it was one of the shows. And I even have the date on the show, if you just give me two seconds to back up here a little bit and get back to Chief Gates. Um, Chief Gates, Chief Gates, Chief Gates. Okay, here it is. September 29th, 1948. Wow. He wanted, and it was the Name the Baby contest when uh, Gildersleeve found the baby in, I guess it was the back seat of his car. Wow. Do you know that is 63 years ago? Oh, isn't that scary? Well, I, I did some... Uh, my parents' anniversary is today, and they would have been married 53 years, and they were married in 1958. So, wow. Like, wow. Gosh. Well, 
Well, it's a September 29th, 1948 show. It was early on when they, uh, when Gildersleeve found the baby. The baby had no name, and they decided to have a name the baby contest. Gee, my mom was nine years old that day. I beg your pardon? Your my dad? mom was nine years old on that day. On September 29th? Yep. Oh, no kidding. Yep. It's his birthday. So do you remember how this came about in in tandem with Name the Baby contest? that we found out about Chief Gates' first name? I don't. I don't. Uh, I haven't. I know that they did a lot of advertising. Kraft really uh, promoted the show. Yes. You know, advertising back in the They were giving away Fords. Ford oh. cars for clients. There was a lot of print mm -hmm. advertising as well. Mm -hmm. The circumstances around it, people were showing up, characters within the show, were showing up and offering their opinions on what Gildy should name the baby. And Chief Gates came in and said he wanted to name the baby Donna. And that was because his name was Donald. So that was his contribution. People were coming in. I can't remember what Horace Hooker, probably, I, what, do you recall what name Horace Hooker suggested? Wasn't Hortense, huh? It might well have been. Yeah. It, it had something in direct relation to his name, and Richard Peavy had a, a suggestion. Yeah. So they were coming. They were all coming in with names that were related to their individual names, and. You know, I'm just thinking about the female name Donna. Huh? You know, I wonder if it's more popular within the the last several generations compared to the ones in the 40s. I don't think there's too many Donnas listening to the old radio shows and movie personalities using that as a first name. Well, if you can give me until we come back in Christmas in July, yes. I can tell you. Ah, okay. Name Donna. Um, there are sites out there that will give you the ranking. All right, for example, the most famous Donna I can think of is a movie actress or what, Donna Reed. Mm-hmm. I don't think of any others. Donna Douglas? Yeah, yeah. But uh, just, you know, uh, considering now it's a fairly common female first name. I haven't come across a Donna in forever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Very special name. Interesting. Well, anyway, yes, you did. You got that name right. And um, I'm just really impressed. I am so impressed, and I am so impressed. But I can give you extra shows for that one because that was a hard question. So if you tell me two shows you would like to have, I would be happy to provide them. Two shows that I would like to have. You've sent so many already, and I'm really appreciative of those. Um, um, I tell you, could you just maybe send me some shows with some, uh, you know, uh, that are related to some actors like you sent me some uh howard mcnear shows i really enjoyed those and shared those with a couple friends mm -hmm. how about some jim Backus shows ah okay and um maybe some frank nelson shows i um i don't know if people are familiar with some of these sub channels on uh television now there's one service called this tv we have it here in louisville and um, I saw a great movie. It was called Here Come the Nelsons. I think it was the first movie that was done for um, Ozzie and Harriet. Uh-huh. 
And uh, on that show, it had Gail Gordon, Frank Nelson, Jim Backus, you know, a lot, I, you know, a lot of the good character oh. actors. And uh, it's probably going to turn up in rotation again, so uh, people might want to watch that. It was really entertaining. Well, that's really interesting. Tell me, tell me the uh, network or the the. Uh... Mhm. It's a it's a sub channel carrier. It's a lot like Retro TV, but it's called This TV. This TV. Yeah. This TV, and their website is thistv.com, and you can go on there and look at the schedule. Well, I thank you for sharing that one. Sure. And now, I don't know if that will come up on your cable uh, systems much. I, you know, it's probably in the digital cable, like the higher numbers on your digital cable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't have cable. I just have over-the-air, you know, um, signals. And, you know, after the switch, you know, from analog to digital, a lot of, a lot of the uh, local TV stations will have, like, you know, su- sub-channels, like, Point 0.1, point 0.2, point 0.3. I'm pulling it up here. Mm-hmm. And this TV, home yeah. and schedule. Let's see what the schedule is. Mm-hmm. Schedule, uh, 1.30 to 4 a.m., who will stop the rain? Mm-hmm. The Outer Limits. Mm-hmm. Iris Movie, Macabre the Terror. Um, Bat Masterson, how interesting. Mm-hmm. Sonic Underground. I don't have a clue on that one. Do you have any idea? Oh, that was 8 to 8.30. Oh, it looks like it's a cartoon. It's an animated one. So it must be an ongoing thing. Yeah, this you is can... Hedgehog, sure. Sonic Underground, yep. Sonic Hedgehog, another one from the Sonic Underground. So this is really interesting. It's got an, and, and these are older, older creations. We were talking about Ziv uh, programs oh. earlier, um, like Bat Masterson was right. a Ziv production, and uh, all Sea Hunt, I believe, was a Ziv. Yep, Sea Hunt was, uh-huh. Yeah, and um, I didn't know that Ziv had started in 1939 as a radio program, and um, they had um, all Boston Blackie, I think, was oh, yeah. one of their... Boston Blackie, Mr. Dick yeah. Ziv was ever the guy based in Ohio who really made a uh, big hit in syndicating radio shows and eventually piloted into TV shows. What did Ziv, Z-I-V, stand for? It was, a, it was the gentleman's last name. No joke? Yeah. Wow. What an unusual name. Yeah. Yeah. The Easy Aces, that was one of their radio, and, and actually that went into TV production, too. Right. For about a year. Um, Boston Blackie, Bold Adventure was a radio show, and... Um, I didn't know it had uh, Humphrey Bogart and uh, Lauren Bacall. Uh-huh. It's a good show. Yeah. Really a good I don't know if I've ever heard that on radio. Have you heard any of the Bold Venture shows? No. I think Dan has not. Maybe you want to send some. I, will, I can send you some Bold Ventures. That will work. That will work. And, um, yeah, they um, basically were either a radio or TV production center from 37 to about 19... Oh, it looks like about 1961 is the last year they were in production. Right. They, I think, merged with United Artists. And, uh, and they carried a lot of shows. They even showed you uh, favorite stories, which was starring Ronald Coleman, which uh, mm-hmm. was written by Lawrence and Lee. Yeah, I saw that, too. Yep. Um, basically, this TV plays um, these, uh, the, the Ziv production uh, TV shows. Oh, and they play Mr. Ed, too. Mr. Ed, really? 
neat. How much of how much of the I'm going to ask a question, then I'm going to put both of you on mute, but I'll be able to listen for a minute. How much of the Mr. Ed song do you remember? At this hour, very little. <laughs> well, then, what about you? Um, a horse, a horse, a horse, a horse. I should pull out the song um, and the story behind it. It was written by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans. The famous songwriter team who wrote Buttons and Bows and for Bob Hope, who wrote Silver Bells and Diffie One, K Shirah Shirah. They wrote the Bonanza theme song. They wrote Mr. Ed. They wrote Tammy. They wrote a ton of great legendary songs. And when they were contracted to write the theme song for Mr. Ed, the production company wound up being very cheap. So, Jay Livingston. The songwriter is his singing voice you hear at the beginning of all those shows singing the song because they didn't want to pay for a professional singer to sing the opening jingle. So there's my true story about Mr. Ed. That is a great story. Mm-hmm. Well, the voice of Mr. Ed was... And, and, and in, oh. a, in a TV series with uh, the Cowboy star Rocky oh. Lane. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Forgot about that, yeah. And then as you're thinking, uh, Dan was asking for Jim Backus shows. Uh, the most you're going to find, Patricia, he was on the Alan Young radio series. That's where he got his big break in 1944, it being uh, the wealthy uh, Schubert Updike. The third mm-hmm. on the Alan Young radio series. Well, Jim Backus has a surprising number of credits. I was very surprised at what I found about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one and two time on various radio shows. Yeah, if you ever heard the Jack Benny show, everybody, where Jack decided to go buy a new car. He was finally going to give up the trade in the Maxwell and go in and buy a new car. And he goes to this new dealership. And the guy who uh, has him look in the car and drive around, or mostly, that's Jim Backus. If you ever have heard that radio show. Huh? He had some remarkable stuff. There were so many actors. I mean, William Conrad was in a ton of things, and yeah. uh, B. Benedict, she was in so many things. Oh, and, I know. Uh, Gail Gordon, you know, he was so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, so many of them made a transition to television. In fact, I tell you, I saw Virginia Gregg on an episode of Bat Masterson a couple weeks ago. Mm. Wow. And I, well, I'm going, I really, to ask, I'm going to ask this question in a couple of months, and I <laughs> want to make sure that people know this is going to be a trivia question. Gail Gordon was the first Flash Gordon on radio. True. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have that as a question, folks. We're going to have a test in the morning. So what was Gail Gordon's really big first break? His really big first break? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a... It was a Sunday afternoon drama. And he was the leading man for eight years. And that sort of put him on the map. Caused a problem for him when he tried to break into comedy because they didn't think he would be able to pull off a comedic role. Correct. Uh, oh, Dan, help me here. 
there. <laughs> I feel like Walden. I will ask him a question, and he will give me every piece of information except the answer. <laughs> okay, so you're talking about this prior to Fibber McGee and Molly? Correct. Mm -hmm. this was, he, was, he was the leading man on this show throughout the 30s. Right. Throughout the 30s. Yep. Well, wasn't Flash Garden like 1935? Right. Right, okay. but that he, he was the first one. But this particular show, who is um, radio people would not remember today, but it was a big hit because it starred a female motion picture actress who was very popular in the twenties. But time the thirties got around, her movie career was not at the uh, same upper level. Yeah. So she basically wound up with a long-time radio series. Hmm. And her name... Lillian Gish did not make a good transition. That's true. And her oh, name was... Zazu Pitt. Zazu Pitt. Uh, that's a great name, yeah. Nope, not Zazu. But okay. this gal name was Irene Rich. And with the Irene Rich uh, show, and Gail yeah. going with her leading man for eight years, and that put him on the map. That and was the show. And uh, the Irene Rich show. Oh and my goodness! I never would have come out. No, I know. That's why I decided I better help I you out. And I think it was sponsored by Welsh. Welsh's grape juice for crying out loud, or something. Right. Yeah. What an unusual sponsor. Mm-hmm. Did Welsh's grape juice ever sponsor any other radio? I don't know of any. I don't recall ever having heard it. No, but if I recall, that's what her sponsor was. Well, Dan, I'm going to put my homework hat on. I will come up with some Jim Backus shows, and he played in many of them. Mm -hmm. And Frank Nelson was the same way, had yes. roles that we just didn't know he was in those in those shows. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, I would really recommend if you can, you know, uh, tune into that this TV and, and see this uh, movie called uh, Here Come the Nelsons. It was so entertaining to be able to put a face with the, you know, the voices we've heard over the years. Uh-huh. And you said the address is thistv.com. And I pulled it up, yeah. and it certainly works. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Sounds great. We'll have some goodies in your mailbox. Sounds great. I want to invite people to come, too. On July 9th, if they want to come to our reenactment oh, here in oh, Vienna. I'm already? Oh, my gosh. Three weeks from tonight. Oh, my gosh. So have okay. you guys had rehearsals? What, what, what the, what's the preparation for it right now? The We've come up with a schedule, and we have pre-registration, and we've got, uh, oh, we have Calvary. I think we've got four Calvary companies company mm -hmm. coming in. We've sent out bounties for cannons. And uh, we, we pay these people, you know, for bringing in their cannons and uh -huh. bringing in their horses and all. We pay them a bounty. Well, and then we have, uh, you know, some men just come, you know, um, you know, for, you know, to portray soldiers. So we have some people already pre-registered. But, you know, um, they'll be, I think we'll probably have at least, last year we had 175. Wow. A lot. Makes a pretty good, uh, you know, battle there. And, you know, they can pre-register on that um, Saturday. Uh-huh. Now, some of, some of but, our uh, listeners might be hearing this for the first time. This is a Civil War reenactment, and it's in hmm. Indiana. So what's your website? If I remember, Danny got a website up, right? For the, uh, you're going to have to help people get to your website. Sure. We actually have a Facebook page. I oh, think right. most people are on Facebook. And it's the Battle of Corton reenactment. 
and they can uh, go there, or they can also go to battleofcordon.com, and we have a, a information there, too. Would you spell Corden because it's got an unusual sure. spelling? Yes, it's C-O-R-Y-D-O-N, and it's Corden, Indiana. We're 20 miles west of downtown Louisville, Kentucky, but we're in Indiana. And that is so super. I hope you get some uh, some good visits from that. Sure. And uh, we're having uh, we we have a we have a new old cabin on our uh, at our battle park. It is a cabin that was built around 1860. We moved it from one location. We've really assembled it in the park, and we're having a family come and live in the cabin as they would have in during the Civil War time period. And uh, the mom said, if people are hungry, they'll be able to pull up and eat with the family. And we're having a quilting bee and a blink in the schedule to come. We're having a traveling oh. gun. People can come and fire. So it's just going to be a really fun weekend. Very fun weekend. Very you've fun. Never, you've never lived until you've fed two armies. Because <laughs> <laughs> the reenactors, we feed them a Saturday night chicken dinner. Uh -huh. Sunday morning, we fix them breakfast. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. This is... I was standing in a, um, I was standing in a, a Save-A-Lot one morning getting some supplies, and we were having trouble with the cashier, and told the lady in front of me, I've got to get back and feed two armies. Literally. Indeed, <laughs> 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 wow. That, that, those are considerations that... I mean, just go right past my head when it, it, parts of living history. When when you have an opportunity to participate or observe living history, yes. my brain does not think about things like, "Gosh, everybody has to eat." Well, they do, and, and a lot of places, you know, don't we we feed our reenactors because we appreciate them coming, and we um, uh, we kind of fudge a little bit. We. Um, we do Lee's chicken, which is here in the Midwest, uh, for a Saturday evening meal with uh, mashed potatoes and green beans and all that, and tea and um, lemonade and, and tea for you know, beverage. But then Sunday morning we feed them uh, biscuits and gravy, um, melon, you know, fruit, melon, stuff like that, orange juice and coffee. But then with the reenactment and all, you have to, Figure you have to have hay and straw for the horses. You have to have uh, you know water for the horses. You have to have water for the reenactors. Sure. You have to have firewood because they'll be build a fire. They'll put up tents for their encampment, and then you have to remember all the modern facilities you need. We have to bring in porta pots and things like that. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, that includes getting a couple of uh, handicap stalls because women will have their hoop skirts on. And it's really a, quite a Quite a little chore there, but uh, we try to hide the modern conveniences away. So you know we, you know, kind of, uh -huh. you know, we we don't have you know the modern conveniences you know out in sight because we don't want it to take away sure. from the, the actual battle. Sure, the, the so. historic integrity of this. Um, did, <laughs> this I really is going to sound like a stupid question, but it's a sincere one. Sure. Do your do your people, your reenactors, spend mm -hmm. enough time in the roles to do things like at least do some semblance of 
latrine trench digging, for example, some of uh, some of the necessities that they really did have during the Civil War. We don't do that because we're in a we're in a public park, and that can get into <laughs> issues right there. That that would make a difference. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. And of course, you know, here July 9th, uh, you know, in the Midwest, you know, it's more than likely it could be up in the mid 90s, and not quite the best time to dig a a trench. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it really sounds like a marvelous experience. Um, we're not going to be here next week, mm -hmm. and the week after, you will have an opportunity to give us an update before the the actual the actual reenactment. Correct? Mm -hmm. Well, let's say it's three weeks from now. So, so on on July second, you'll be able to give us a call and let us know what's happening beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. right. I didn't know if you were going to be there on the July 4th weekend or not. We, Oh, my goodness, of course we will. The only time we let Walden off is when it's radio business. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what I'm going to be doing, doing on July 9th? What? I'm going to be going up to see Norman Corwin in person for a few hours. Oh, can we go too? You bet. Oh, that'll be so nice. Yeah, I've been invited oh. to go up and see Norman for a little while. That'll be great, but yeah. yes, we will certainly be here on the 4th of July weekend. We are celebrating Christmas in July. Mm -hmm. You are celebrating Civil War reenactment. July is going to be a very busy month. Sincerely, busy it will month. be very busy. Quite a bit. <laughs> is, is Norman Corwin 101 now? 101. 101. His brother, brother passed away a month before his 108th birthday. I thought I had read that someplace, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Their dad lived to 110. Wow. Talking about Wait. longevity in a family. Remarkable. Do you know, do you know what the fastest uh, growing age group is right now? At one time, I knew it was in the 90s. What is it now? Is it, is it people in the hundreds? People in the hundreds. The hundreds. 12 or 100 is the fastest growing age group. Wow. I heard that about a month ago. That's scary. <laughs> not if you're a hundred. <laughs> no, no, not so much that people are are living longer on that end of the scale, but if they're the fastest growing group, what's happening to the rest of us? <laughs> you know, that's the scary part. <laughs> I, I I'm not kidding. I have a great friend who she uh, is in her. She's 91. Will be 90. I'm sorry. She just turned 90. She'll be 90. One in November, and she's still working three days a week. Bless her heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I grow up, I want to be like that. That's right. I want to have fun when I get old. Uh-huh. I've said for years, I think we do this backwards. I think we ought to give kids Social Security and everybody go back to work when we're 65. <laughs> How are we doing? Are there still, there seems like there's still a good number of, radio actors who are getting... Uh-huh. I would say, in my book, I keep track about 80 from the golden days of radio who who I can show, um, who are still active from the old-time radio days who I can pick up the phone and call. Um, there, I would say there's over 200 personalities in radio, uh, radio, movies, and music from that period, from the 40s, from the 40s and 50s, I think that's... I um I still think that's a pretty good number, and uh, oh, I'm still extremely active. I mean, Janet Waldo is constantly in demand, constantly working. Same thing with June Foray. Some of the legendary voice artists that people grew up to with in cartoon are still in big big demand today. Yeah, 
I checked uh, earlier when I tuned in at 1030, they were mentioning uh, the Hastings brothers, you know, Bob yep. and... Bob and Don. Don, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they're still, they're both living still, they're right? They're still with us. Uh, I will probably, uh, when we're up and see, I will probably get both of them on the phone together. Um, and we're thinking about putting together a New York radio panel with Rosemary Rice and Dick Van Patten. And Ben Cooper, and I'm probably going to call the Hastings boys, and we'll get, out, we'll get to talk about how radio was in New York. But Now, Bob was the one that was on Archie Bunker's place. Correct. He he was the one that played the, bar, the bartender. So Don is the one who was on uh, Ask the World Turn. Correct. He played Dr. Bob Hughes for all those years. Yeah. Now, now how old is Don? Is he as old as Bob? No. He's nine years younger. Nine years younger. Yes. I was thinking he must be younger. Cause yeah. I didn't quite think he was that old. Yeah, he he is nine years younger than Bob, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so and and Bob, Don, radio a TV show just ended this past year. Yeah, I I watched that last episode. Uh, I hadn't really watched it. My mother used to she used to watch As the World Turns when I was young, and she would uh, earn while she watched the show. Right. Bob, so that that's back when people used to earn. Bob had McHale's Navy. Yep, that was his show too. No, was, right, he, I he was, remember reading about that too. Yes. Uh-huh. But no, uh, Don was also the video ranger from the fifties and uh, had a long, long career. Both of the both the Hastings brothers are very nice people, and uh, and I mean, I, I'm pleased to say they're both 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 very well still with us. So. It's it's good. I can get pick up the phone and say, "Okay, how you guys doing? What can we do?" You know. I think I read where. Let's see here. I think I read where Bob used to give tours of a studio out there. Yes, a studio of Universal Studios. He was yeah, to He was really popular with the uh, with the tourists. Yeah, very much so. Cause Bob is one of the outgoing personalities that anybody can strike up a conversation with, and he had that natural gift. Yeah. And it, it really is a gift to entertain people, uh, turn on, be the, uh, just turn on the uh, light and just start entertaining. Sure, and absolutely. It's something else. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, I'm going to get off the phone here. I know people are probably wanting to call in now uh, that they're, they have the right number to call. Yeah, which number we're going to give out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I messed everybody up. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't see how you people do it. You don't. Well, now, you, you're, in the, you're into your uh, sundown to sunup mode right now, aren't you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because, you know, you come on when the sun is still up and go off when the sun comes up the next morning. Yep. So, yeah. Well, you all take care. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. And, and thanks for ans- answering the Chief Gates question. I am so proud of you. Well, hooray for Dan! You have to remember my job is to find, you know, <laughs> these mysteries out there. Yeah, but Chief Gates is not exactly part of Civil War reenactments, you know? No, no, but, you know. Well, you did a super job. So I've, uh, I've got gold stars. I, I put gold stars next to your name. Hey, that's what a librarian's for. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much, and we'll be looking forward to an update when we get back um, July 2nd. Sounds great. Well, you take okay. care. And, Thanks, Dan. And Have a good day tomorrow. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Dan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
714-545-2071. What was the goofiest Father's Day gift you got, saw, or received? From 1947, 48, or 49? Hello there, you're on the air. Yeah, hi folks, it's Ralph. Ralph, hi. Ralph! Oh, happy Father's Day! Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I have a big day planned tomorrow. I'm going to be weed whacking all day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's your Father's Day gift to yourself, huh? <laughs> Whack the weed. You were dealing with weeds last week, too. Well, I have, um, I have a little over five acres here. And uh, about two of the uh, acres are, are usable and therefore have to be maintained. Uh, the other three acres kind of just wild land. On their natural state. Do you have a tractor or a riding lawnmower or anything like that? I have an old tractor. It's a, a 1953 Alice Chalmers. Oh, my goodness. And I'll tell you what, it, it runs like a clock. It's amazing. What do you do with that? Uh, I grade my roads, and I, um, you know, I, I do. Uh, I actually, when I when I want to weed a place out, I, I actually drag stuff through there with the tractor and knock the weeds down. Yeah. And you run over my chicken. Nah, the chicken isn't here. <laughs> no chicken. <laughs> no, no baby chicks, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm so crushed. I don't have a chicky named after me. Well, we'll have to find something. We discussed that you don't want a rubber chicken. Yeah, she just wants the inflatable chicken. No, uh, preferably something adorable. Adorable. Yeah, adorable. Yeah. That sounds familiar. <laughs> a rubber chicken? I don't want a rubber chicken. Wait, Remember what? the old rubber chicken that used to have? We went through the magic axe. Yeah. We went through this rubber chicken. It was like a, a totally plucked chicken. <laughs> Boy, you'd be cold after that. Yeah. Well, that, but they were, I think they they still probably have them around. You could probably get them at a novelty store or something. Sure. Oh, sure. But I, I don't want one named after me, please. <laughs> Not, no, not a rubber chicken. Oh, rubber chicken isn't adorable. <laughs> they're not cuddly either. No, they're not. No. Are you ready for a question? Yeah, I've been listening for a while. Well, you guys had one caller after another. I've been try I've been try I tried three times to get in, I guess. Well, good. Oh. Well, the first dollar show. I made it. Finally, I made it. Good. <laughs> yeah, nobody called us in the beginning. Uh, well, I, I tuned in early, and I, I didn't hear you. Well, that's because Walden, it's Walden's fault. I was here. I was here. Uh, uh, Every month. Yeah, I heard that there was some programming on, and I went yeah. and I, I played checkers on the Internet. Oh, really? So I did that for a couple hours. Now, who won? You or the computer? No, no, you don't play a computer. You play actually another person. You do? Oh, it's one of those live games. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Well, I'm not that good, but I win about half of my games. Oh, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I think it's all right. Now, when the, the player who moves first, 
Well, let me ask it a different way. Who has the advantage, the player who moves first or second? I, I don't. I don't really see an advantage, but the red the red checkers always move first. Uh, I seem to win an equal amount of games, whether I have red or white. Uh-huh. I don't know. Probably scientifically, there may be some kind of a an advantage, but I, I'm I'm not that far along in it. Are there any prizes associated with this? I'm sorry? Any prizes associated with playing online? No, you just uh, you just have the glory of knowing that you won. <laughs> Do you have regular partners? To play with? Uh-huh. No, each time you... Uh, each time you uh, click onto this thing, uh, you could play uh, uh, Chinese or German. You know, it goes uh, Russian. Uh, it goes uh, all around the world. Uh huh. And uh, it's interesting because you actually do play a person. You know, this is fun. As you were going through the list of languages and and countries. Checkers is a universal language, another common bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How interesting. I never thought of it in those terms. Yeah, I, fi I find it, um, uh, it's not exactly relaxing, but it's it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Entertaining, entertaining. Yeah, I get a kick out of it. Yeah, where's my chicken? I get you a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you want a chicken? <laughs> I want a, I want a chick. I want, you know. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not totally a dead issue, but for right now, it's just not. Don't seem to be happening. Ralph, you are just so gosh darn honest. You every week could be telling me, "Oh, your baby chick is growing so beautifully," and I'd never know the difference. No. Well, you want me to no, make up a. But, but I mean, you could have, and I would have believed that I had this adorable little chick. But you didn't. Yeah, no. Nah, I the ain't truth. got one. <laughs> you told the truth. All right, you got. Oh, well, you know, I, I did a little bit of my homework uh, listening to those shows that you'd sent me. Ah, yes. Yeah, I, the the one I come up with. Uh, that I really like the best is the uh, Damon Runyon Theater. No kidding. And you know where I got them? Bless his heart. Um, Ron in Hawaii sent them to me. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, I have a Hawaiian connection now. <laughs> now you have. Yeah, true. On the 15th of this month, my daughter moved to Maui. Oh. For, you mean she moved there? I mean, that's where she's going to live? She gone. She's... <laughs> 